game right here on Monday Night Show. You want a war? You're going to get one. You fans can stick it, brother. Brett screwed Brett. This is bullshit! And I also appreciate the fact that, hell, you can kiss my ass. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 104 of Squared Circle Gazette Radio. I am Liam O'Rourke alongside Carl Jones. This one's for me. And Kieran O'Rourke. And this one's for me. <laughs> and we are back this week. <laughs> I got some in my eye. <laughs> we are back this week for the latest installment of the Monday Night War timeline here, gentlemen. We're going to be talking November of 1998 in WCW and the WWF in the middle of their Red Hot War. For those of you who haven't been listening to this show previously, you can, of course, go back in the archives at squaredcirclegazette.com, where we archive every show. We've been doing these timelines chronologically from the very beginning. Obviously, we did it in the six-month periods as we began it, uh, starting with uh, 1995. As it comes now to November 98, much as we've done for the last couple of episodes, we're doing this in a one-month increment because the world is moving so fast here at this stage of the Monday Night War, and it feels like absolutely everything is happening in a short period of time. Got all the notes from the Wrestling Observer newsletters uh, of the time as well to give a bit of an inside scoop on what's going on on screen. As we last left this at the end of October, we had uh, the backstage word that Kevin Nash was planned to beat Goldberg uh, at the end of the year at Starcade, eh, which raised a lot of eyebrows. And there was, yeah, the WF Championship was vacant at this time as well, obviously pending a new champion, a deadly game coming up. We're going to kick it off here with a bit of uh, backstage news from The Undertaker. Apparently a few weeks back, uh, so mid-October this would have been, uh, he had a meeting with a few of the guys about keeping their drug use from being so public because he remembered what it did to the company in the early 90s, which uh, basically none of this crew was around for. General speculation is that steroid use in the WF has grown to about 35%. What do you think, fellas, that, that estimate? Conservative? <laughs> well, yeah, where's he getting them? figures from. I don't know. Brockus alone is about 50%. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's lower than the estimates at WCW but the steroids may be a uh, short term standpoint the least of the real problems Meltzer mentions and it ties in nicely here to the first Raw and Nitro in November because we're going to kick it off here with Shane McMahon telling Steve Austin he will get a title shot in two weeks time at November 16th episode of Raw. Uh, Vince McMahon shows up in a limousine and gave an overly strong heel interview to kick off the show. Vince said that the people would probably cheer if he were to die and everybody did. <laughs> he uh, fired Shane from his position as an officer in the company and said that he could be rehired as a lowly referee and if he didn't do that job well, he'd go down to the ring crew. Uh, Vince also teased that somebody would pay hard times tonight. That wouldn't be a reference back to the 1991 days of the ring crew, would it? <laughs> I know, I, I just see like in, in like the framing pats in the background just rubbing his hands together. Yes! Here we go. Back to the Wild West. <laughs> DX and the, the Brew goes with no contest when Kane runs in and destroys everybody. A recurring pattern on this show. One of Russo's favourite tropes I've noticed in this period of time as we go back and relive them. The monster heel coming in and ruining every other match on the show. Or just Kane generally coming in and just ruining things. For this match, Billy Gunn had lipstick on his face and on his belly. They did absolutely nothing to tease dissension, uh, so the idea of Billy Gunn going heel, which we talked about in October, has been dropped. Apparently Billy Gunn didn't like the idea. So uh, Billy's the one that ixnayed his own push. Uh, as a heel at a time they needed them. The original plan for Billy Gunn uh, was that he was supposed to be the one that was going to be paired with Deborah upon her debut, but when he nixed the plan, she went to Jarrett. So a little tidbit there. Who knew if uh, the uh, early inception of TNA, I guess, would have been... Could have been. What could have been. However, a couple of people that didn't listen to The Undertaker's stern warning, I'm guessing, Hawk shows up, working as if he's stoned on this show, and uh, Droz comes out and uh, starts beating him up. Droz leaves with Animal, with uh, the fans booing Animal and Droz. 
what appears to be animal giving a or sort of not giving a speech but ranting at Hall, Hawk about how disappointed he is in him just throwing it all away except that most of the words he utters are just you know incomprehensible they make no sense he may as well have been frothing at the mouth <laughs> which from the sounds of what Take was talking about half the locker room was anyway <laughs> is this, um, was it a match it was supposed to be a match uh, I think so yeah, he's supposed to be Draz versus Hawk yeah, I think. yeah he just beat the piss out of him that's right oh, that's a, I thought it was a, okay forget the, the actual angle uh, the actual storyline but it was like a little as a, as a standalone angle I thought it worked okay yeah you know the the older veteran his partner there watching on not pulling back draws yes. he's, he's you know a bit of a dick but he's also a lion of the other baby face so eh, I thought it was okay interesting but it was intriguing. I mean yeah apart from everything else you know. <laughs> apart from everything else without the un- ditching this by the 5% <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, Vince McMahon's on a tear backstage yelling at Jim Cornette for wearing out of date fashions and favouring southern wrestling uh, at one point he uh, confronts Shaquille O'Neal who's just hanging out <laughs> backstage and I remember the time watching this and just being like Kind of a, like a gas because like Shaquille O'Neal was a huge star from like the years when I was watching basketball, so it's like, wow, yeah, the crowd, real stars now, <laughs> yeah, and the crowd reacted kind of similarly as well um, in the in the arena. I was like, oh, hello, yeah, because I think obviously it was going to be like Dennis Robin, but to me that was more like did not feel as as kind of poignant as this did. Shaq was a bigger deal to me. So. I I disagree. Dennis Rodman was part of a <laughs> Chicago because... Bulls team that won three world titles during that period. By this point, Shaq hadn't won squat. Well, that's 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 fine. But uh, to me personally, judging his Q rating, Shaq had it. Well, you're wrong. <laughs> uh, more more wrestlers who have learned from the Undertaker's harsh lessons. William Regal, <laughs> the real man's man, is wrestling Goldust on this show, and he is fucked out of his <laughs> face. November second, folks, go and watch it back to see William Regal slurring his way through an interview. Uh, stumbling all over the ring he, at one point he's having trouble running the ropes to take a hip toss it looks fucking awful it looks like two kids wrestling on the bed because Regal is in just such bad shape here he is f- fucked up he's really he, bad he's obviously he's pale anyway but he looks pace he looks terrible his coordination was all over the shop he's slurring his words he looks like he's pissed and, <laughs> and he just doesn't know what he's doing kind of thing yeah. that, I think like you know it's a slight inclination of what he wants to do his body's not doing it. Yeah, he, he kind <laughs> of. I was thinking. No, it's it's very reminiscent of the Jeff Hardy situation in TNA, which is a lot less high profile. So, uh, uh, of course, this up match also features another Kane running. Uh, Vincent Mann then gives mankind a present of Steve Austin's old WWF title belt, handwritten with World Hardcore Champion written on it. Uh, about a week ago, when WWF was in Greensboro, a fan gave Mick Foley a handmade Hardcore Championship belt cutout, which is where this idea came from. A fan did it. Uh, Vince said that he'd lost a son, but maybe he'd found another one in Mick. And of course, <laughs> mankind says, "Gee, thanks, Dad," which gets the great Vince. Oh, wonderful facial! <laughs> <laughs> Vince in his element here. I love the interplay with him and Foley over this yeah, two-month sure. period. It's really good. Uh, Rock beats Ken Shamrock by disqualification. A really good TV match, I thought. Um, after a chair shot, obviously, it's a uh, intercontinental title match. The rule was that Rock, if Rock needed to win the belt to be uh, qualified for the Survivor Series. Vince decided to pick on Rock, kind of out of the blue here, uh, since he's got a problem with the people. He's got a problem with the people's champ. And uh, obviously, the, the idea here is that Rock is out of Survivor Series with two weeks to go. Uh, also on this show, Owen Hart beats up Dan Seven, who's in a neck brace after the Owen driver that we turned a couple of weeks before. Uh, Steve Blackman then attacks Owen Hart in the back, 
with one of the greatest kicks I've ever seen. Oh. I don't know if anybody noticed this on the, on, on the rewatch here, but when uh, Blackman's kind of carting Seven off in the ambulance, he turns around, sees Owen Hart, and Blackman just bombs it and then kicks him so hard. And not only is that the great moment about this segment, but when the blue blazer comes in and hooks him in a dragon sleeper, Owen Hart gets up and gives him the funniest low blow kick to the balls I've ever seen. It's just such a, it's such a dirty thing to do. It's good! <laughs> It was diabolical. Um, the hard times segment ends up with the Stooges serving hard times in the ring as uh, Slaughter, Patson, and Briscoe get a shoe in from the boss man. Steve Austin does a run in to get to the boss man. The Stooges turn on uh, on Austin, so we got uh, a four on one. Shane McMahon, the new top babyface, <laughs> runs in, uh, but is spared. Spare. Bossman goes to go for Shane, but Vince spares him. He's conflicted. He's very conflicted. Uh, Taker comes out with Paul Bearer. Kane comes out as well, and uh, the cage gets set on fire to end the show here. Very dramatic. As, moment. Uh, as, as all three of them brawl in the ring. So yes, it's cool into the show. It's like the, the start of the of the, the, the raw video. The actual actually. video. Yeah, yeah, it was. So uh, quite an interesting little concept. It's, here uh, at the end. This like is, if you want to give him credit, which you barely do in in, and I'm talking Russo here. Of course. <laughs> It's this is him. It's like he ha- he has an idea for like a visual, has no concept how to put it in, uh, into practice. But as a, a standalone visual, as a go for the go home show, it looked good. Yeah, Kieran's right. It, it is a cool visual. I think, and, and I said to Kieran before we started recording tonight. I think what we will see over the course of this month is the difference between a Vince Russo who's on the leash and a Vince Russo more akin to what we covered in the review a couple of weeks back which when, is a, a very fun show go back and listen to it folks if you haven't already you know where where he's you know he sprung out a trap it's just shit at a wall and complete chaos so I think it's a clear a clear contrast if you if, you, if people want to get that idea between uh, Vince as the filter and, and Russo unfiltered as scary as that is <laughs> um, but this is a cool a, a cool visual as I say and it Things at least tiny. It makes sense up to a point. Yeah, yeah. A cage on fire is somewhat outlandish, but Vince is giving a bit of a payback to the Stooges because in his mind they abandoned, they abandoned him. him. Yes, that's so the key. So though, yeah, you know, there's there's a logic to things. Things things at least follow a natural trajectory, and I like the idea of despite all of Vince's problems, he's, there's a heart in there somewhere. He's still slightly concerned over his son, it seems. Yeah. Well, a lot of interesting uh, stuff to come from this. Over on Nitro, this same night, head-to-head, uh, Eric Bischoff airs the Hulk Hogan-Ric Flair cage match from Halloween Havoc 94. Uh, obviously, Bischoff had done this previously on episodes of Nitro, saying Flair will be wrestling tonight, and it's always an old clip of Hulk Hogan beating him, and there are plenty of them. So uh, the Horseman interrupted the video here with Arn Anderson doing what I thought was a pretty uh, good little promo. Flair then does a promo that I thought was a little bit uh, a little bit less impressive, kind of going through the the cliches and not really kind mm. of yeah the, the heat at the moment. You got Arn talking about how important wrestling is out to man's game and stuff like that. This is a man's business, and that's why you've never been in the ring, Bischoff. And then Flair comes in and he just kind of says nothing really. And then they throw it to Mongo. Ugh. I don't know why <laughs> Anna Malenko too. I don't know why you would go in that order. <laughs> and then Benoit, I think, just gets one line as he's turning away. Yeah. Oh shit! I got a line to say as well. Yeah. Uh, Bret Hart has a pulled groin on this show and cannot oh, wrestle Lex the Luger, likes of which you've never seen. <laughs> Lex Luger was given the, uh, the the excuse to not wrestle Bret, but he turns around and cheap shots the injured Bret Hart. Yeah. And Gene Oakland takes a bump to boot as well. Uh, Luger then puts him in the rack, and uh, the injured uh, Bret is kind of carted off. Uh, Saturn and uh, Eddie Guerrero have a match. Conan's kind of getting involved in this mix uh, as well, trying to talk about 
Rasso and if Eddie's yeah. Rasso or not. Which which I'd completely forgotten about. Co- you know what I'd also forgotten about on this episode? Conan coming down in a silk lime green shirt mm. and chinos <laughs> and a trilby. Not one of his finer looks, if I can be quite honest. Hold on, hold on. Hold on. He had fine looks? He had finer looks. You know, okay. You know what? At least he wasn't wearing fucking 90s dad jeans and a black t-shirt with a particular brand of the NWO on it. <laughs> and a leather jacket, sorry. Yes. Look, some of us find dad jeans comfortable, all right? <laughs> uh, Chris Jericho is an interview in a Bill Goldberg shirt, so he's progressing his, uh, his, his stuff here. This this was a wonderful little piece. I, <laughs> God knows, over these timelines, I, I rag on Nitro enough... Uh, but uh, Think this, but this this is another little wonderful piece of business from Jericho, with the Goldberg and the mannerisms, throwing his arms in the air. I think it's <laughs> I think it's I think it's hilarious. Yeah. This one when he says uh, he says he was a former football player himself. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah there's some good, again. With this the show is not completely devoid of merit. Uh, also on this show, uh, Dimalenko beats Raven. Uh, there's a bunch of run-ins, and among them, Bret Hart with no injury whatsoever runs in and attacks Chris Benoit. J.J. Dillon finds Buff Bagwell and Scott Steiner, what I thought was the standout segment of this show, and I know Chris Jones on the Facebook page uh, pointed this one out as well, where Steiner's just running around chasing after J.J. Dillon, gets fined $100,000, and gets on the microphone, and goes into a complete roid rage, and just blows up, he calls Piper a skirt-wearing queer <laughs> at one point, and it's just also on this show, in the main, uh, the main match is Booker T beats Scott Hall by DQ, and Lex Luger beats the Giant by DQ. Uh, the match was as boring as you'd think, says Dave Meltzer. Bret Hart interferes and Goldberg makes the save. As Goldberg goes to spear Bret, he moves and ends up spearing Luger as the show goes off the air, which uh, had actually happened in previous episodes as well, with uh, him accidentally spearing Nash. Uh, Giant's gut gets noticeably bigger by the week, says Meltzer in his final breakdown of this show. Talk about World War Three, which is the pay-per-view WCW is uh, dishing out this month. Nothing was announced on the show except the 60-man battle royal, a concept that has failed every single time it's been presented. So why do they do it again? The exact same reason we'll probably watch another show next August in Sturgis, South Dakota. Uh, with Hogan, Bischoff, Sting, Warrior, Kevin Nash and DDP all not appearing and with their current hottest ratings draw Bill Goldberg never hyped as appearing even though he did in the closing seconds WCW relying on Bret Hart, Scott Hall, Lex Luger and the giant for star power got whipped bad by the WWF's total package of stars in the ratings the WWF won all 8 quarters most by a wide margin Raw finally finished with a 4.8 to Nitro's 4.1 in the head to head 2 hours and 6 minutes Nitro did a 3.8 so overall it lost the night by more than 1 full point which is uh, this gap is widening here and some of those segments had Steve Blackman in yeah, and Jeff <laughs> Jarrett think about that yes the WWF is pulling away the younger viewers from Nitro in particular and the turnaround in women from 18 to 24 in particular over the last two months from WCW to WWF is outstanding uh, which I yeah, in the last two months kind of coincides with Rock's push so I kind of think I'll give well, him the credit for yeah, that when you, when you can have The Rock or The Woodster The Wood <laughs> if you're, if you're, or The Wood if you're a woman, if you're a woman in her 20s who are you really going to choose? Uh, while Hogan can take this as ammunition he's needed, speaking of the word, uh, his own ratings <laughs> power has declined noticeably, and he's been in the main event for all three disappointing buy rates in the last three months. So for the first time, if anybody is still clinging to the notion that he was a bigger star overall in this industry than Steve Austin, the last month should bring a reality back to that. So uh, here we are in 19... you got a big grin on your face. Do you like them apples, bitch? <laughs> <laughs> no need to be so bitter oh! about it. <laughs> The numbers are on your side here, Carl. Uh, Mysterio Jr. versus Juventud Guerrero was supposed to take place on this last episode of Nitro, but the match didn't take place because Juventud was warming up and jumping up and down, and then jumping cracked the top of his head on a pipe and couldn't work. 
What? Yeah. <laughs> the, the real Mexican jumping bean, it would seem. Yeah, yeah. And I didn't buy that. Well, who knows? <laughs> he was fucked. He was passed thing. out. No, that's what they said happened. Oh, I see, yeah. Maybe it was a different kind of crack pipe. Maybe. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I think that's uh, a lot more accurate. Just because. <laughs> yeah, I think it was one of the next week. Oh, it's one of the next weeks. Obviously, when he's in the map, he's coming out, and he's. He doesn't look fucking right to me. No. <laughs> no, no. That boy's not right. <laughs> uh, the next day, November 3rd, in a major stunner, Jesse the Body Ventura was elected governor of Minnesota. Ventura made a victory speech at about midnight central time, winning an election where he was a distant third in the polls until literally the day of the election. So, incorrect polls is not new to uh, 2016, it would seem. Jesse becoming the governor, what do you think here? I'd, I'd vaguely remember it as a kid just being a... Um a throwaway line on the uh, I think it was the BBC News at 10 at the time so last sort of 15 minutes they cover a bit of the midterm elections and just they, they mentioned in passing and I think and they showed stock footage from the Predator if I remember rightly <laughs> is what they showed <laughs> but um, but yeah it was, it, even even as a kid then I sort of you know, made me sit up and take notes but, oh Jesse won good for him but I'm also, recently I've, I've actually um, seen some of the ads he used for that run very clever ads. Yeah, yeah. Elaborate, as you would expect. He doesn't shy away from the uh, from the uh, wrestling background he had, and he's got this one of um, it's, it's two kids playing playing with the wrestling figures. It talks about Jesse the body and that sort of thing. And then it goes into, ah, but now we need Jesse the mind. And yeah. he, he comes in. If I remember right, it's almost like a, a comical winky gives and points to the head, a la Bobby Heenan <laughs> sort of thing. Did you mention Gorilla? <laughs> Regrettably, no. That's a shame. Uh, Sting was pulled from all bookings for the rest of the year. So as it stands right now, the uh, the injury he was going to sell until early 99 is correct. Apparently, he's been given time off to work on those same family problems that crop up at one time or another to nearly all wrestlers who spend so much time away from home. Mm, Wink. Fucking around. <laughs> That's the case, yep. Bill Watts isn't going to beat him up again, is he? Uh, well, <laughs> Dick Slater might. Uh, <laughs> the plan right now is to headline Sold Out 99 with Hulk Hogan versus Ric Flair. Uh, Eric Bischoff has strongly entertained the idea of creating his own four horsemen to feud with Ric Flair's group this week. Uh, Barry Windham, Tully Blanchard and Ole Anderson would be three of the members. All have been talked with. It appears that Barry Windham is already in and the other two are being strongly considered if not already in. Ole is coming back. I I love me some Tully Blanchard but it seems clear that Bischoff's got no forethought into how he's going to win back those younger viewers. NWO Horseman the NWO Horseman yeah fuck you now although I do like for pensions <laughs> <laughs> for life for sure not for long <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah I don't know I, to, to be honest though I'm not sure if Tully Blanchard's match with Shane Douglas had ended by this point uh, Carl from oh, CW well. <laughs> anyway uh, Steve McMichael is balking about signing a new contract unless he's given the guarantee that they won't take him out of the Horseman <laughs> Between the shocking victory of Jesse Ventura in the race for governor of Minnesota, which resulted in front-page coverage in newspapers around the country, and the attention that pro wrestling itself is receiving due to the mainstream media discovering the popularity boom, it is virtually impossible to escape almost a total bombardment of pro wrestling articles, the likes of which we've never seen before this week. Uh, mainstream magazines appear to be clamoring for more pro wrestling stories. On the heels of the recent New York Magazine cover story, this past week Spin Magazine released a story on the pro wrestling promotional war. 
The current People magazine had a photo of Bill Goldberg on a page of the sexiest bald men with the likes of Michael Jordan. If you recall, Steve Austin was originally supposed to get this, but they decided to give him the Breakout Entertainment Star of the Year award for 1998, and that's just the tip of the iceberg. Newsweek is planning a major story on Austin which will be released next week. Southwest Airlines magazine is planning a cover story on Vince McMahon. Rolling Stone has an Austin feature imminent and is shot him for the cover. And in my favourite of all, Cigar Aficionado <laughs> is working on a feature on Hulk Hogan. <laughs> Forbes, Maxim, Time, Playboy, and even Pro Football Weekly are all currently working on pro wrestling articles. Wrestling's cool again, Liam. Yeah, you think so? Uh, the mainstream attention is also leading to more wrestling product on national cable, however. Uh, due to the NBA strike, TNT, as of November the 10th, has added another hour of wrestling in prime time on Tuesdays at 8pm, a taped fourth hour from the previous night's episode of Nitro that's going to be called Nitro Extra. TNT, which ordered WCW to do the show as a replacement for the NBA broadcasts, is committed to the show as a test for at least three weeks, and maybe even longer uh, if the NBA work stoppage isn't settled. WCW does not want to do the show, but is being forced. So, this is kind of one of those things when Bischoff... He didn't want to do Thunder, and he's been forced to do it. He didn't want to do this, and he's been forced to do it. Yeah, I mean, considering we're getting those... Forget Thunder. Take Thunder out of the equation. Three hours of Nitro on a Monday oh, it's has like... me has me crying out for Nitro Light on a Tuesday. Let alone <laughs> Nitro Extra. <laughs> yeah. Uh, also, Fox Sports is looking at its own pro wrestling project, possibly even starting its own company from scratch. And the Nashville Network is planning to start its own one-hour Friday night wrestling show uh, as a lead-in for its attempt to establish Roller Jam, <laughs> which would, of course end up being the ECW time slot. It, it's like the signs of the housing bubble isn't it so it's just, but it's just that sense of you, you see the bubble growing <laughs> yeah I think it's just general media isn't it you yeah know, jump on it it'll be yeah. there it's, yeah, it's, it's selling papers and when stuff it's, you know, when, when it's actually always over the top now they'll all jump on it using the same stories and passing off as their own information so. yeah usually with errors in, in there as well mm. obviously there's always the talk about how it's a 500 billion dollar business and stuff like that I wonder who the uh, source for that story was, by the way. Hmm. November 9th on Raw, we kick off the show with The Undertaker vs. X-Pac, uh, with yet another Kane run-in, attempting to fireball The Undertaker, but it hits X-Pac in the face. Was that supposed to happen? Uh, yes. I was, it was. Because it was a good shot. Yeah, it was a good, uh, absolutely fantastic shot. He's got skills. He has indeed. No, he hasn't. <laughs> uh, Mankind gets a makeover on this show. So this is a show-long thing where he's getting his toes clipped and his hair done. Uh, in a match that was taped for this show but was edited off, William Regal, sorry, Stephen Regal, beat Golga. Uh, Regal hit Golga and his mask flew off. Everyone just stood there not knowing what to do and there was an earthquake chant from the fans. <laughs> Uh, Golga ran under the ring until someone could get his mask on and give it to him so that didn't make the air uh, Mankind beat Ken Shamrock in a false count anywhere match for the hardcore title when the boss man on orders from McMahon cost Shamrock the match uh, we get a, yeah, a very good I thought uh, back and forth kind of here between Austin and boss man to set up a deadly game as well since they're in the first round Austin's just he's on fire here man the, the, the crowd is just treating him like he's the god of gods uh, on, on this here oh, show eating out the palm of his hand <laughs> it's tremendous uh, Kane destroys the entire brood and tries to set them on fire uh, and Jimmy Cordaris don't forget Jimmy Cordaris oh yeah well, very easily very easily done uh, he goes to leave the crowd and he attacks a fan uh, attacks a plant in the crowd and then walks off in the crowd and no one seems to care <laughs> were the brood supposed to be heels or faces by this point you I always assume they were supposed to be heels but you never really knew Gangrel looks like he's trying to work face to me what with his laugh his smile yeah he's so fucking annoying 
<laughs> he's rubbish as well. <laughs> he's pretty rubbish. The thing is, I always kind of like Gangrel at the time, but it was like a thing I looked at. Like, God, you know, I really wish he could have his first good match. <laughs> like, really get into him. It's like the thing is, they're, they're pushing the brew. They're almost like these young, sexy guys. Yeah. And then there's Gangrel. We don't call their dad along. <laughs> yeah, we don't call Dave. <laughs> Uh, the Rock is attacked backstage. We don't actually see the attack, we just see him laid out. Uh, of course, the big thing on this show is that he's got a match with Mark Henry. Mark Henry, who got the Duke on our boy Dwayne back at, uh, at Judgment Day, if you recall, which is a match that just completely bamboozled me. This was the reason they did that match, because the idea was he has to beat Mark Henry tonight, the guy he didn't beat last month, uh, to get back in the Deadly Game tournament. If he doesn't win, he's, his career is over. With on-site reporter Michael Cole just pointing out that Rock's lying on the floor in the distance being Rock, attended to. He's down! <laughs> <laughs> of course, the match takes place. The Rock gets the win. Rock in the headline position here uh, with Mark Henry. Gets the win when Shane McMahon, the lowly referee, comes in and counts the fall. And then afterwards, Rock grabs Vince McMahon from the, uh, the wheelchair. Vince gets a slap in before he gets uh, rock-bottomed and people's elbowed. And The Rock looks like the top star on the show. What are your thoughts on this, this, uh, this kind of breakthrough moment here? Because Deadly Game is now around the corner, and this was the point where I was dying for The Rock to win the world title as a babyface. Yeah, man, absolutely. Um, even though it's kind of rinse repeat for Vince, it's not actually. I say it's rinse repeat. You know, he's just doing the Austin with Rock at this point, or yeah. it seems that. But because the angle, this is obviously we're saying this twenty years, eighteen years after the fact. If this was done today, like this, no one give a shit. Mm. But the Vince angle, obviously, and gimmick was was new and yeah. over like fuck so it made perfect sense plus at this point the only people that got their hands on Vince were Austin and Taker top guys and uh, yeah and that's the thing and it sort of it helps give that that um oh, it helps cement Rock in that position doesn't it in the yeah. sense of the only guys who get their hands on Vince at this point are as you say top guys like Taker Austin Kane and The Rock <laughs> um so for him to be in with that that sort of you know esteemed company and Kane, <laughs> you know it just it just really helps cement his position and gives him a, a, a nice big spotlight and just shows his continued growth. Let's so say. I, I want to question you here, Carl, because obviously me and Kieran are big rock fans at this point. <laughs> you are the Austin fan. Where did you well, kind well, of, where, know, where did you know. weigh in on this deadly game situation at the time? Oh, I was still 100% behind the. You were Austin all the way behind the man who should have won sexiest ball man in that. <laughs> Uh, over on Nitro this same night it opens with the parking lot of Brawl with Kevin Ash and Conan fighting uh, Scott Hall and the Giant which obviously is going to lead to uh, uh, a match later on tonight between the two sides uh, they push hard throughout the show that President Clinton would be there live no. obviously the reason was because Hulk Hogan had announced that he was going to run for president fuck it now yeah and so it begins <laughs> put into context this this backstage brawl it's Heenan and Gene are backstage like yeah. Roman reporters Gene with his Mac on looking hilarious and uh, yeah then a uh, limo comes into shot and is it the president that's what they've heard yes. the president quote And but there's two limos and it seems they're actually racing or something because then they you know swerving almost crashing and then <laughs> both sides pile out and the world's shittiest brawl ensues <laughs> so instead of the president you got Conan in a fight. Yeah, <laughs> a real shit fight. <laughs> Unfortunate. Uh, the Disciple does an interview. Uh, Stevie Ray Vincent Fuck. and Horace Hogan come out to confront him. As you can imagine, this segment is dying. <laughs> <laughs> this is awful. This is it, just first of all, just listing those four names off right there yeah, in itself. Uh, that, that's all that needs to be said. 
That that does it. That just encapsulates it. At one point, the crowd is uh, is completely <laughs> deathly silent, and I mean deathly silent. You could hear an ant fart in this building. Until Harvest turns around to get the heat and says, Shut up, Hogan made wrestling. <laughs> and then, just when you think this segment couldn't have more current topical stars, uh, the Ultimate Warriors 1980s music, and uh, Warrior makes the save as they're beating up the disciple. There's an initial pop, but he's getting booed after a few seconds in front of his Warriors. Obviously, this whole segment was set up to ice the crowd so Warrior could then pop him. Yeah. Um, probably. And he got a little pop as he came out. He did. But then I think people realised the segment was going to continue and soon we lost it. <laughs> quickly lost its steam. Although I think that the people in the truck figured the same thing because they just cut it off halfway through. <laughs> While we were still beating people up and they said, that's enough, let's go to break. You come back and he's gone. <laughs> he is gone. Secret service men come out. There are more limousines pulling up into the building and out comes Hulk Hogan dressed like Jesse Ventura with the boas around his neck. This is one of his fucking Yankees hat. Uh, yes. Yankee ski hat. What the... Yankee ski hat, ridiculous white glasses, and then the boas. Yeah, yeah. Hogan is... Uh, the, the pomp and circumstance that goes into this, <laughs> the balloons dropping, the gigantic flag, the gigantic flag that falls over in front of the audience who can't see and are trying to move the flag out of the way of their obstructed view, may I add. Confetti, the, the flyers, all this effort for Hogan and Bischoff uh, who have just come out to, to talk about Hogan running for presidency, I guess. Uh, Hogan said he was running for the position and kissed Ventura's ass well past the point of nausea, which is especially hilarious since Hogan and Ventura hate <laughs> each other. And he's talking about God bless you, Jesse. And you know, he, he's, you know, America's made the right decision, Jesse the mind, you know. It's like, <laughs> fuck off, fuck off, you two faced bastard. Anyway, uh, Hogan is setting a record time from being the biggest money player in the game to becoming a pathetic old man right before our eyes. Ooh. Very critical review there. Although, I don't know how you can watch this and not think the same thing, though. This is fucking horrible for, in so many ways. How the fuck you uh, judged Hogan not guilty of killing this company, Carl? I have no idea. <laughs> because... Irreparable damage was the charge. You just look back and you, and you put it into context and it's... Jesus Christ, it's horrible. Yeah. But Bischoff allows it to happen. No, well, this is the thing, though. Hogan does have creative control of his own character yeah, in his contract. Absolutely, but it doesn't mean you have to put him on TV. And, <laughs> and, and yeah, and not only that, he's, going to, he's his campaign manager. Oh, quote well, he, unquote. He wanted it to be Ted Turner, but Turner turned him down. Oh. That was what he, what he wanted to announce that Ted was behind it, and Ted wanted absolutely nothing to do with a <laughs> sham. And he knew it, so he knew that it was bullshit, he didn't want any part of it. Smart man. <laughs> yeah. Eric Bischoff tops himself a little bit later when him and Liz come out for an absolutely dreadful segment. They hire three uh, stuntmen to act as nerdy execs for Eric Bischoff to bully. Uh, Eric tells everyone that Ric Flair wasn't going to appear and ended up punching one of the execs and kicked the other two. The blows looked horrible and the selling of these was all-time worst in history. So uh, this, this kind of drew back memories of that segment with Piper and the three fights with his mates or whatever it was. Oh. The, the fight with the six uh, random guys that went 20 yeah. minutes. <laughs> It's the same Bischoff promo, and it's the same Hogan promo that's not going anywhere, that there's no payoff to. President Wood. And it's not as if... We made the defence for the, the company in the past, and I think understandably so, they were going with the pat hand. Whilst you know, they were winning, whilst you're on that train, it's very hard to argue against doing, doing anything different. Mm. By this point, though, as you've shown in that, the, that first week's numbers, they're not winning anymore... And WWF are pulling away. Yeah, there there is no there is no empirical reason why 
you need to continue on this road. Well, again, Hogan wasn't there for that low rating last week, so it's all Hogan, all Bischoff. We're bringing it back to the top guys, brother. I can't wait for you to tell me what the number does for this show. Uh, the ref leaves the ring for Scott Steiner's match as the uh, unsafe working environment. He then kills Chris Adams. Uh, Rick comes out to defend the tag titles, and I guess poor Kenny Chaos, who was destroyed while wearing his loafers last week uh, on, on Nitro, has been replaced by Rick's partner, Judy Bagwell. Uh, Buff then tried to punch his mom. She ducked and slapped him. Scott and Buff then ran away from Judy Bagwell. Uh, then Rick challenged them to a title match on the pay-per-view, and they accepted. And then Judy Bagwell did a marvelously, fantastically awful promo that needs to be seen to be believed, gentlemen. I was about to say, in regards to the Hogan presidential malarkey, what's the point in this? And I'm left with the same question for this next segment too. The, uh, the Judy well Hogan clearly was, was bandwagoning again we talked about all the media that Jesse got for running for, for, for becoming the governor this was just Hogan trying to get a me- trying to get publicity desperate attempt for, me- for media outcry and it got some too okay. Okay. He, he saw Jesse his exact words I think to his wife his account were Jesse became the governor and I'm ten times more popular than him so what, yeah, I could, what could I do you know so it's all just fucking publicity the wrestlers going for government and all this bullshit uh, again one of the maybe the only saving grace on this show Chris Jericho does a promo on Bill Goldberg Goldberg arrives while the promo is going on sees it on a monitor and then uh, spears Jericho in the aisle this is awesome and the crowd is red hot for this too um, the original plan was for these two to wrestle in a singles match on this show uh, the problem with their feud is as entertaining as Jericho is Goldberg uh, does not want to fe- does not want to work with him because he considers him a cruiserweight and doesn't like how Jericho is working the feud uh, apparently Nash got into his ear and told him that if he sells for a comedy cruiserweight guy it will kill his marketability mm. so uh and why should Jericho be allowed to do that when Nash has the opportunity <laughs> <laughs> coming right up uh, finally in the main event Kevin Nash and Lex Luger beat uh, <laughs> Scott Hall and the Giant by disqualification you'll be surprised it's a running DQ because Bret Hart came out and attacked Kevin Nash typical dud match with a predictable running finish they got away with it for every Monday in 97 but the ratings are telling them that it's time to change this pattern says Dave Meltzer so uh, for the Hogan and Bischoff show with a DQ running main events going up against The Rock and Mark Henry the ratings are in Raw obliterated Nitro by the biggest margin ever but the big surprise is that with the most mainstream publicity of any week in history the audience for both shows was down entirely due to the decline in WCW (laughs) Raw did a 5.0 to Nitro's 4.0 head to head Nitro only did a 3.7 the 9.4 million viewers watching head to head represents a surprising 7% drop uh, from the previous 4 weeks in the head to head ratings Raw won every single quarter and uh, Raw won handily in every demographic group something which is almost unprecedented uh, as Nitro now is no longer maintaining its older audience how long has Nitro been three hours for now yeah a year and a bit because the, the first three hour Nitro was when Luger beat Hogan in 97 August 97 so it's been a year and a bit uh, what's significant about this rating as well is that WCW's poor performance, at least compared to WWF, uh, came with Hulk Hogan on the show, killing the stigma from last week that the absence of Hogan was the reason they got waxed. WCW went into the show with a lot of mainstream publicity about the Hogan presidency gimmick, which should have, but didn't, help the ratings. Uh, WCW spent a summer with celebrities and a fall with more mainstream coverage than ever, and the result has somehow been a decline in buy rates and ratings. That makes no sense. <laughs> All the while they're creating no new stars and WWF can rest safe in the knowledge that we don't need to have Austin in the closing segment for it to be effective talking about Carl we've got Raph on the way he's undefeated this week 
To summarise, Meltzer says the explanation for this ratings turnaround doesn't exactly take a mathematical genius to figure out. One show has been, and on this night was, consistently and significantly better than the other. Uh, so that's kind of telling because when we kind of talked about this throughout the week, fellas, by text message, the pattern was Raw's Raw, Nitro's a slog. Nitro is just the problem for me. Well, I, the, one of the reasons I found it difficult to get through a whole fucking show. It comes, it comes from the whole presentation from Shivani down on the emphasis on the stuff you need to pay attention to because it's important. And he goes into that high pitched voice that Shivani yeah. talks in every fucking segment, and you can't differentiate what actually is important because everything's fucking so important. But then you got the same guys doing different stuff with other guys, and that's also important. So much shit going on, except your world champion's not doing that this week again. <laughs> <laughs> it's fucking it's a it's a mess and you got who's the who are faces and who hit the end of the NWO shit the the red and the white who's fucking the Latino world and what yeah it's just there's shit all over the shop and direction but it, there's like a lack of emphasis there's overemphasis on everything so there's no nothing is emphasised yeah, there yeah. you go no, yeah, no, well no you're right. nothing breaks through does it yeah. and all, well, this week the most important thing is Hogan's or is, is yeah. Hogan's going for president yeah fucking ace and the, yeah, and the stuff what's that, Goldberg doing um, in the pay-per-view yeah and the stuff they really emphasise has no payoff and they're not really promoting the pay-per-view as you've said despite the fact they've somehow got plans for sold out well Hogan's involved well Hogan, yeah Hogan's involved so, so there's there's your answer there um, Bret Hart's indiscriminately just attacking people without any proper explanation behind it so why should you care about that although his Book, beatdowns are quite great though they are they are but you know you get you get Booker T who's coming back from injury think, I don't want to say fresh face because that's not entirely accurate but someone who's over with the crowd been away for a while he's coming back off a knee surgery ah, here's someone we can use to give a bit of more fresh impetus to the show ah, he, he cuts a promo which isn't the best in the world admittedly just wrestles Hall on TV for free despite the fact that Booker T is suggesting that he's the one who put him on the shelf you might want to make a bit more of that perhaps you know <laughs> promote it through to the pay-per-view but no I digress and when, when even when it, when it comes to matches the amount of no marks <laughs> that are in some of these matches you know Polish power Scott Putski for <laughs> fuck's sake Kendall Windham there's a lot of I Kendall mean, Windham on Nitro there's too you? much Kendall Windham on Nitro <laughs> You didn't like just, his many green trunks that he stole from the ringmaster, Carl? Oh, God, no. I knew... I remembered WCW 98 not being great. But I had <laughs> no... I could not recall just how... Barring some notable exceptions, such as Jericho, which we've touched on, I couldn't recall just how terrible parts of this show are. Judy Bagwell. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not going to say they're Russo 2000 bad... But they're pretty fucking bad. They're awful for different reasons. That's yes. The Russo's awful because nothing goes anywhere and you're just looking at a pile of shit, basically. Shit's going on. Again, it's just all over the place. It's bizarre. This is bad because you can actually see how it could be good. That, 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 you can that's see, more you, painful you, to me. You can see the talent that's misused. Yeah, precisely. You can just look at this. Like, look at the guys they've got. And look, every segment is like, okay, you, there, is, there are very few segments on these nitros we're going to talk about where you can look at that segment and say, that is exactly what I'll be doing with that person. <laughs> and to me, that's the sign of a bad wrestling promotion. England, head-to-head -head for these uh, these episodes on November 9th, Raw did 350,000 viewers to Nitro's 290,000. So Raw gets the Duke here in uh, Blighty. Uh, Flair and the Horsemen were all at Nitro and were scheduled to shoot a major angle with Bischoff. 
As you can see, it didn't happen, and they weren't even used on the show. The only conclusion I can come up with is that there was so much media backstage that Hogan and Eric were playing for more personal mainstream uh, press and less for the live audience and ratings. So much media there backstage, no one actually watched it on TV, that's where the rating was down. Yeah, apparently so. Uh, November 10th, it is of course, Nitro Extra. The show you were asking for, Carl. Uh, let's just read the very quick... Because uh, obviously this isn't on the network, so I'm just going to read the results. Mysterio beat El Dandy. Booker beats Disco. Mongo beats Finley. Goldberg beats Meng. <laughs> All right. Dead Crowd gets the oh, fourth... Oh, oh, oh. Yes. What was that last one again? Goldberg, world champion, beats Meng. Now, if you recall, Carl, that was a rating slam dunk a couple of months ago. So they did they did actually try here. It was a dead crowd, obviously, because it was the fourth hour of Nitro. The the audio was completely piped, and it just looked awful. Uh, the show does a poor, poor 2.8 rating on Tuesday. Uh, well, just, just as a, a, again, as an emphasis of how hot wrestling is at this point, a terrible show on the Tuesday is doing a rating... That's higher? That, oh, that, my God, that I didn't realise that's that, how that, that, that you went. Know, oh. That's that's higher than a lot of the the roars were oh, back in the day, and just as now? a general context, <laughs> higher than now, and in, just in the context of cable television, I I dare say, even in '98, other cable networks would have killed for that number on a Tuesday night. Yeah, Disco Inferno, man, that's what you need. <laughs> the World War Three Battle Royal winner appears to be down to these candidates: Kevin Nash, Hulk Hogan, or Lex Luger if he agrees to turn heel. Uh, for WCW to take the belt off Goldberg right now would be nuts since whether he can work or not he as champion is doing big business and nobody else is going to be able to draw as well on top and that's the sort of thing that this is supposed to be about uh, he's also the only wrestler in the company capable of competing with Steve Austin for mainstream pub so Goldberg is still being planned to lose to either Nash Hogan or Luger apparently uh, Tully Blanchard has not signed and is telling people that he isn't going to WCW for the NWO Horseman there but for the grace of God goes Tully <laughs> people who have seen him on Indies report that for old style wrestling he's very good but with his look right now he's not going to make it in a big company uh, there's also some doesn't he wear jeans probably mm. uh, some, to- some talk that Sting won't be back until February this is after signing a 1.5 million dollar contract by the way six months off <laughs> thanks Sting for those who think WCW overpays its wrestlers, however, the total payroll for the company in 1998 is $36 million, and the company is going to gross between 175 to $200 million. What do you think? Well, then what's, what's WF's payroll? Oh, fucking way, way lower. Yeah, but that also doesn't factor in... The incentive-based contracts. Yeah. Downside guarantees are way lower. Uh, yeah, but also, I even gets a percentage of pay-per-view, does he? Vince gives opportunities. <laughs> A lot of speculation this week. Let's talk about the opportunities that Vince has given out here that have stemmed around a situation between the WWF and its top star, Steve Austin. The biggest problem stems from Bill Goldberg getting a role in the upcoming Jean-Claude Van Damme movie, Universal Soldier 2, that the producers originally wanted Steve Austin for. They went to the WWF, and according to what the officials claim and told Steve Austin, they only offered $55,000 for the role. The WWF turned down the offer as being too low without ever asking Steve Austin. The producers went to WCW and signed Goldberg to the role, with some of the filming starting this week. Where the problem stemmed from is that Austin's agent bought the movie up and Austin knew nothing about it in the first place and told Austin that Goldberg was getting $250,000 for the role. Austin then complained to McMahon who put the heat on Jim Bell who heads licensing saying that he was the one who fielded the offer and turned it down. McMahon ended up actually sending Steve Austin a company letter of apology for how it was all handled which pretty well smoothed everything over. So uh, Austin wanted that break in Hollywood didn't get it. 
Vince Cock blocked it. Can if, you blame him? <laughs> if if it was Austin, if he'd got if he was a Universal Soldier, and it made no difference, and he you know didn't draw any anything extra, blah blah. blah would Rock have still and it was like a failure, say? Would Rock have got the same opportunities? Yeah. Especially if it, if it was a big role, I guess it would need to be a big role. Then yeah. bombed, wouldn't it? So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, not not to disparage Steve Austin's acting ability, but we all loved him in The Condemned. Yeah, we loved him, Carl. Yeah, uh, the man's great in The Long Yard. <laughs> there were also concerns from Steve Austin over learning that New York Magazine wanted him on its cover, and McMahon wouldn't allow it, and tried to push Rocky Maivia on them, which they wouldn't accept. And Rocky Maivia also received a promotional deal from Walmart that was originally supposed to go to Steve Austin. Oh. Uh, Austin has changed certain plans as well this week, such as the plan for him to be left laying on the last week's Raw in the cage by Big Boss Man, who's supposed to be handcuffed to the cage and pay the hard times. He refused. Um, and he also nixed the plan, which may be for Survivor Series, where Shane McMahon was to turn heel ref and screw him on a finish and it would turn out the McMahon family had worked together all along. Austin said he didn't want to do it because it didn't make sense. <laughs> Sorry, Steve. <laughs> he, yep. Yep. He might have a point there. Yeah. <laughs> As we'll get to now, because it is November 15th, it's the WWF Survivor Series. It's the Deadly Game Tournament. 19,322 fans sell out the building. A massive 1.3 buy rate for 487,500 buys. And we have a new champion. A corporate champion. I remember being on the school bus home. <laughs> jumping off. How am I going to explain this one to Liam? The pride, the happiness. Juxtaposed of disappointment. Yes. And a little bit of bitterness. Oh, oh. Weren't you both at the same school? Yes. I, I think I had a day off. <laughs> I didn't want to go in that day. <laughs> I, I, I think there's a lot that happens on this show. This is considered Vince Russo's masterpiece. Uh, Vince comes out the chair, Shane goes heel, but it's a boring show. It's yeah. a boring, boring tournament. Four rounds, was it? Four rounds. Yeah. Dwayne Gill makes his debut here. <laughs> oh, God. X-Pac yeah, walks out on a match yeah, inexplicably. Yeah. JR does have that great line, though. Which one? Dwayne Gill spent more time on the canvas than Rembrandt. <laughs> uh, Steve Austin gets pinned with Gerald Briscoe's steel chair of fury. Oh, God. Um, Rock obviously wins the World Championship with a Survivor Series screw job ah. finish. Obviously, we mentioned it before, Wrestling with Shadows had come out, and uh, they've been doing a lot of little things that were kind of alluding to Wrestling with Shadows. Vince's obsession with Montreal, and we see it here. Bleeds over Mankind is the gullible wrestler who thought that Vince was a father figure to him. And then gets screwed in the end. Well, it's only been a, like a year, hasn't it, since Montreal? They'll get bored of doing this angle soon. It's actually funny. The, the addition of the torch that reviewed this show said this will symbolically end Vince's obsession with the Survivor Series. <laughs> it's like no fucking way. Another great take there from Wade Keller. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, Wade. So anyway, yeah, that's. Uh, I don't know. In, in terms of a booking masterpiece, I, I yeah. think that's. I think that's overblown. Yeah, I. I feel I must make an apology to the pair of you and to our loyal listeners because for for a time, brief though it may have been, for a time I was hoodwinked into believing that this was Russo's one good night, his finest hour, his his one good his one good hour in professional wrestling. I feel it's only fair to hold my hands up and acknowledge that that is incorrect. <laughs> Russo's track record still remains he had no good nights in professional wrestling <laughs> whilst whilst the reveal of of Rock as, as the corporate champion is a great way to go to come out of the tournament it's it's a logical way to keep the belt from Austin and then have Austin as the babyface chase and that all is perfectly fine it all makes sense uh, 
and I do like little bits of interplay like the nightstick being thrown That's and screwed up and, and the quick rock what a catch from rock I <laughs> yeah and the, and the quick rock win against the, the boss man I, I do like bits of that but by and large the show is it's a slog. dull as dishwater <laughs> it really it's, is it, it, it's, it's a tough one to get through and the mat you know the, plenty of the tournament matches are dross and plenty there isn't a good one in the bunch is there you told me to be positive about <laughs> yeah, half sorry, an hour ago sorry this is this it's, is my attempt here's a positive moment go the, on the enormous banner that had the entire catchphrase of the new age outlaws on that was in the crowd remember mm. that for the I do but to, but to balance it out <laughs> what, why did we see that why did we see that banner Liam because they were wrestling the headbangers and their D-Lo and Mark Henry and if any two people didn't deserve to be in such a shit situation at that point it was D'Lo Brown and Mark Henry two right who, who had been comedy gold during this period and would continue to be absolutely afterwards. yeah so uh, this is it's the Shane turn I can't get away from the Shane That's... turn Sh- Vince fired him Shane brings him back gives him the title match for two weeks on Raw which by the way is tomorrow <laughs> the five year contract five year contract ironclad or something if I recall correctly can't be fired by Vince uh, uh, yeah I've and been... then he's he's actually with Vince all along so did Vince want to fire him or not and what was the point I've been, of all this I've been really trying with this one oh, come on oh, we and are we going to get a Kieran logic bomb I've, yeah the, Vince did tell us before told Austin to his face before that he needs him in the company because you know, he makes him money yes but he wants to control him yes so he signed to a deal he's, in, he's locked into the company but they still fucked him over shits and giggles basically if they'd explained that again I could have gone with it <laughs> they didn't <laughs> even with that though you, you could make a somewhat flimsy case for that's why they want Austin in but that still doesn't explain giving him the title shot to run that risk of him getting the belt back. They fucked... Ah, well, this will be explained, you see. Okay. We'll, we'll come to it. We'll come to we'll it. Come okay. to it. Okay. Yeah, we'll come to it. We're going to go to it the next night, because obviously, one day later, Nitro and Raw head-to-head on November 16th. Uh, Juventud Guerrero beats Billy Kibben for the Cruiserweight title in a great match. I thought the best match of his whole month when I was watching this stuff back. Hoovies look really good. This might be the match you were talking about when you said he didn't look quite right. It was when he came out. Yeah, his entrance, right? Yeah. It may or may not be, I can't remember, but he just looked a bit fucking high to me. Looked a little bit, uh, yeah. A little bit bubbly. Off kilter. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ric Flair did an interview. The crowd goes crazy. Ric Flair introduces Barry Windham, saying that he's paying his own money to bring Windham back to the company. I don't know why Barry was fat. <laughs> Breaking news, I'm sure. And wearing dad jeans. Yeah. That's why he got brought back. He looks like a wrestler. Um, no one's ever said Flair's good with money. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you that. Eric Bischoff came out and they argue with Bischoff acting like he didn't want Wyndham around. Uh, Rey Mysterio loses to Eddie Guerrero and therefore has to join the LWO. Which? Okay. Eddie offers him the proposition. If you, if, if, if you win, that's it. You don't have to join. Or oh, I'll leave you alone, I guess. Yeah. But if you lose, you got to join. And Ray, obviously, he just he's just a real goodable little guy, isn't he? And he really is. He's always Eddie's always been able to tell, able to tell him anything, and he's like the Mexican Sting. Yeah. Anyway, it it probably made I thought <laughs> this made less sense in retrospect, adding my own logic bomb to the Shane turn than the Shane turn. Really? Well, why would he do this? Why Ray? Say no. Fuck off. <laughs> okay, I'll go along with it, and then he goes along with it. <laughs> Idiot. <laughs> 
Well, these stupid baby faces. Okay. I was not even trying to offer up a defense for this angle. Uh, Chavo Guerrero and, and uh, your favorite wrestler, Scott Putski, Carl, <laughs> are wrestling in a match where they go to a no contest when suddenly Bam Bam Bigelow appears backstage as an outsider and destroys both of them, challenging Goldberg. Gets in the ring and screams he wants Goldberg. Goldberg shows up and had a very, very wild pull apart brawl with about a thousand security guys getting in the way. Bischoff yells at JJ Dillon for being uh, his fault that this all happened, and they argued with Bischoff firing JJ and him driving off out the building. So uh, Bam Bam is back in. This is a pretty hot angle from this uh, this period of time. How was Bischoff able to fire Dylan? Hadn't he lost some of his authoritative authoritative role when uh, Harvey Schiller had made that appearance oh so many months ago? <clears throat> he does clarify in a couple of weeks' time, I believe, Carl, that he's actually got all the power again. Okay, yeah. he just says how, it. Doesn't how, he? How, how did that happen? Uh, we just he, I know, he told Were us. We uh, okay. <sighs> <laughs> um, um, but yeah, no. To, but to your to your, sort of your genuine point, there, Lim, the, the, uh, Bam met, Bam walking that. off the street in his spandex. I love that. <laughs> yeah. Enjoyable, nonetheless. It is. Great. I, I wouldn't think Bam Bam. He was wearing fucking uh, jeans. Uh, I, I would, I <laughs> to be honest, I was begging for anything yeah. but jeans at this point. Oh, I, I wouldn't think Bam Bam in spandex would float my boat. But you know, as far as bright spots go in WCW '98, the introduction of Bam Bam was certainly one of them. And like you say, no jeans. No NWO t-shirt. <laughs> We're off to a good start. Uh, on this show, we do not have a good segment here with Perry Saturn versus Conan. This match is a fucking mess. Do you remember this, Kieran? <laughs> yeah. The yeah. LWO attack, and it's just a fucking disaster. It's Saturn not, doesn't want to sell for any of them. It's a fucking disaster. He's not selling. And then, is this, if I'm correct, after it, it, they all disappear, mate, don't they disperse, and Conan's left in the ring, I think, and then Conan calls calls Saturn back in the ring <laughs> and then so Saturn's coming to the ring Conan doesn't wait for him to get in the ring he jumps out and charges him and he gets knocked down with like Saturn one shot beats the fuck and he just drops to the floor and I'm thinking has he actually knocked him out because he's not moving and he just answer, gets the shit beaten out of him the answer is yes he did knock he him out KO'd him with that first punch <laughs> in the ball and therefore the thing just fell apart there you go brilliant well Conan look like a right fucking bitch <laughs> come on then we, we know it's rowdy rowdy and birdie birdie now don't we <laughs> Uh, talk about other guys on the scene that kind of caught me off guard not quite the same way Bam Bam Bigelow did Bobby Duncan Jr. beats Chris Jericho by count out here in a TV title this is just fucking who's this guy I, oh, I, th- I thought he had a bit of a bit of uh, DDP air on the go as well he did <laughs> yeah, yeah the DDP if he's, he's like Horace Page or something his name was uh, Marvellous. Well, <laughs> Bischoff did say he was burnt out during this period, and uh, <laughs> I suppose there's plenty of case studies and examples we can point to. Hulk Hogan, here's another one, oh, comes out with a fat Monica Lewinsky intern uh, lookalike. This is really fun. Uh, somehow, Hall and Bischoff ended up arguing, and Hall attacked Bischoff for no reason. Hogan then jumped Hall, Nash saved Hall, which makes everybody want to see Nash versus Hall, which is actually happening this Sunday at World War Three. This week's idea is to build up to putting Hall and Nash back together as a team. This story, the twists and turns, oh, I just, the tangled web that we're witnessing here every single just, week. I hate the fact, right, first of all, we start off the world titles, well, the whole company is WCW and NWA Presents, which still grinds my gears. Yeah, the, the, the split, yeah. Split but bearing that in mind, it's supposed to be this split branding. The NWA, NWA is now split, and when Shivani talks about the, the Wolfpack, and especially Nash in maybe this, this week and weeks to come, He's, you know, he's a babyface commentator talking about a babyface, which 
fucking confuses me. I know they're a babyface team, but they're NWA. I just, yeah. it's, it's, uh, no, I understand. It's, what I mean. it's, uh, it, it's done from that good guy commentator, sort of rah rah perspective, isn't it? And you're thinking, mm-hmm. well, no, hold on. They're still trying to yeah, Regardless of whether it's black and white or red and black, you're the WCW guys. You should be, you know, shouting from the rooftops every every show about how you want the world champion out here to destroy everyone. And by the way, Liam, what is the world champion doing? Well, he's going to wrestle Bam Bam Bigelow in our main event tonight. After the big brawl with, with, with our Bigelow earlier on, you may recall, and, they can and, do the match tonight. And Bigelow, who's not employed. Not employed. It is because Goldberg threatens Bish. He grabs Bish off there yes. and forces him into making the... The, the uh, confrontation. Do it tonight. So, yeah, Do it tonight. Um, Benoit beats Bret Hart by disqualification when Bret Hart <laughs> destroys his bad arm with a chair. Kieran, you texted me about this match and it amused you. Yeah, on the fucking on the little red and uh, red and white dots on the, on net- the network. On the network, when you skip between matches and stuff, uh, the, the 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 dot for the start of this match is Bret Hart has a singles match, and I was like. <laughs> Who the fuck is he wrestling? And then it all became obvious, and yes. I pissed myself laughing. The network is filled with those little things. <laughs> yeah, it really is. It's hysterical. Uh, Malenko came out uh, for the save of Benoit, but Hart destroyed him as well. Who makes the save? It's Diamond Dallas Page, not Bobby Duncan. Kieran, don't get, don't get confused. He makes the big save and runs off Brett. We go. To the main event, Goldberg and Bam Bam Bigelow. They start rolling outside the ring for 90 seconds, everyone breaks it up, and the show ends. Bischoff was accept- expecting a squash, obviously. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, the typical... Real bad finish to the show, says Dave Meltzer. It's like that little thing they've pulled for years now. Mm-hmm. Um, Bait and switch, baby. Yeah, come watch it, wow. Which, if they didn't... Main event match with no finish. Yeah, and as the go-home angle to pay-per-view as well, lest we forget. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. On which we don't know what Goldberg's actually doing. Exactly. He's not on the show. He's not on the oh, show. Oh, is he not? He's not on the show. Oh, I thought they might do a fuck finish and then they'd just do the impromptu. Match of the pay-per-view? Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. No title on the line. No, yeah. no. Nothing. Cool. Um, I, I, Can't wait to see this by rate. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I just said the fucking baby faces on the show, apart from Goldberg, who's not on the show, they're just the most obnoxious baby faces of all time. Yeah. Like, a fucking Luger. First of all, yeah, the, the wolf pack. Like, fuck off, Nash. You look cool in comparison to Luger, but you don't really look cool. And then you've got fucking Conan mumbling around and bumbling around. Getting knocked out by one Getting knocked out. That's why fucking can't understand his promos, maybe, because he's, you know, comatose yeah. slightly. Sting's, Sting's going to Sting, been caught fucking somebody else. Sting's not there. Um, Savage is injured. Savage is injured. Brett's not a face, obviously, but he's, he's the best thing on the show. Probably. Yeah, he is. If if it was put into a... After, you know, presented and put into a context. Yeah. I'm there thinking he should be the lead heel on the show. Stop yeah. at this point. The, the challenger to Goldberg, maybe? You, well, there you go. Yeah, You'd hope so. There. Something for you there. Uh, but yeah, there's, oh, so, there's, who? Who is there? What faces are on the show that, that aren't obnoxious apart from Goldberg? He's the only one. Everybody else is trying to be the cool baby face, which does not look good in retrospect. The cool baby face, oh yeah, it's, oh, it's horrible. Especially when Lex Luger's one, I was trying to be cool. I, it's like, it's like this, the situation you had, you know. I'm probably going back a few years, but that notion of. All the heels had to be badass, and no, no one would be willing to play chicken shit. And you just think, mm. no one comes off great when you're all trying to be the same thing. You all just come across as knockoffs. Yeah, yeah. One, one guy. Particularly, got... particularly when you've got the likes of Hogan calling himself the Wood. Yeah. <laughs> just to emphasize. David Boy point. Smith saying, "Suck it." Oh 
Over on Raw this night, November 16th, we open up with the uh, the Rock, Vince and Shane McMahon in the ring doing the promo, uh, explaining The Rock is the new corporate champion. Of course, this is the uh, the Rock didn't sell out, Kieran. What did he do? Just got ahead. Just got ahead. Um, I'd, what, one of the things I do like about this is that all this time that's been going on with the, the Vince Austin stuff, you know, he doesn't want him as his champion, he's never had a guy... Who you know he was grooming really high on. Who was you could you believe in? Like obviously yeah, the, the man kind of stuff. Everybody, dude stuff. everybody else, it was that he just wanted to get it off Austin. Yeah, yeah. With, with Rocky, Rocky special. What was beautiful as well is okay. So it it just made perfect sense in so many ways. So the first one in terms of use, uses of talent, talent elevation. Yeah. You know, is the only thing to do with Rock um, to to get him close to Austin. Um, as a face, I think you, you're struggling because you've got to keep them apart, and it's just, it, it would be. It'd be there's a, not many heels in this company. Exactly, there's only three, and then so one of them is inevitably going to be second rung, and that would have been Rock because Austin would have taken precedent in stories, as you say. Okay, so he's got the whole history of yeah, he, he comes in, he's hot, and then the crowd turn on him. So then he go, he becomes himself, he becomes awesome, and everyone then jumps, on and the then they jump on the bandwagon, and then I think it's Lawler. Well, I can't remember if it's Lawler or Ross. Say he's always been a dick. He's always been selfish. He's always been it for himself. Like nothing's yeah. changed. It's just like it's had a couple of months kind of thing. When, yeah. Which is, and it all makes and in the context of him being the, the hand picked one. It's just yeah, it just fits together real nice. And he, he ties it back lovely himself in, in the promo, yeah. going back to Rocky sucks and die, Rocky die, and it's that you know. I'm still go, bothered by that. Yeah, but, but it's 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 that that old Michael Hayes mantra that the heel has you know has to somewhere in his mind justify his actions and believe he's right and Rock has it right there. The um, and the lines always says I I never forgot and now you're I'm not gonna make and now I'm gonna make sure you don't forget either kind of thing. Yeah. It's like a fucking beautiful line. Yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, however, Judge Mills Lane <laughs> <laughs> appears on this show and confirms that Shane's ruling from two weeks ago that Austin and Rock are going to wrestle tonight for the belt. Is official and it will take place. Yeah, now we're really stretching. Uh, Shane McMahon had no choice. You could hear him say that. He to does. Vince. He does say I had no choice. Why so though? I'm guessing the ruse. Yeah, to convince Austin that the ruse was real. You know, because they wanted him to sign because he makes some money, but they just want to control him to get so to, to sign him again and then do this ruse. You see, Carl. Um, he needed to be persuaded that you know Shane was on the level, on the up and up. Yeah. Can we... Also on the show, the New Age Outlaws beat Kurgan and Golga when Shaggy Tudor of ICP came off the top with a chair, but hit Golga and was pinned. Say, there's a pair of poster boys for contraception. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyone who wears tights like Billy Gunn did on this show in public is anything but cool in this world. <laughs> says Dave Meltzer. Uh, China returns with a new face to distract Mark Henry in his match. Your thoughts on this, Kieran? Remember, it was to enhance her femininity. Felt weird. Yeah? <laughs> Mizark and, and D'Lo were great. They were oh, very entertaining on the show. Marvellous. What a, what a comedy duo. <laughs> They're like Bill Cosby's kids. Um, <laughs> <laughs> wait, uh, moving on. Speaking of comedy uh, combinations here, the Stooges are sent to get Mankind throughout the course of this show, and of course, none of them do. Was it Briscoe first, and he just dec- he didn't know where it was? Yeah, he didn't know where the basement was, yeah. And then did Pat go, and no, no, no. were you scared? Pat, Pat, Patterson went first, then Briscoe okay. left saying, I know where the boiler room is, Mr. McMahon. And then they all went as a troop with Sarge leading the way. With, with, right, <laughs> with, with, with the boat warrior's shoulder pads on. <laughs> <laughs> it's fucking great. Of course, when they finally do get there, they get the shit kicked out of them by mankind. Also on the show, we get a uh, a William Regal Godfather angle, a real man's man, <laughs> as the Godfather offers up the hose, and my god, these hoes really go out of their way to try and show uh, Stephen Regal they were worth having, and then Regal accepts them with the line, 
last time I checked, I'm not Elton John, so I think I'll take the ladies. And then as he's up the aisle, Godfather says, Man, I thought England was nothing but a place full of fags. And Regal's face is fucking awesome. Yeah. Sobered him up in no time. <laughs> Yeah, you get the sense in that tussle on the floor, uh, Regal was throwing a few nice shots in there. <laughs> Queen and country. <laughs> I'd like to think so. Uh, Kane is a ca- attacking crew members throughout the show. The cops come. Kane runs away. Uh, Ken Shamrock and the big boss man go to a double disqualification uh, after the, uh, the referee gets thrown around. Vincent Mann comes down and talks about Ken Shamrock joining the corporation, which is obviously the new name for the group that Vince will be leading, and he does. They shake hands on it. Of course, the idea here being that uh, Vince, I could use a man like you, Ken. Yeah, and again, if... A shooter. Um, if this was done on... Well, if you look at it on paper, you can see this looks a bit fucking stupid. He's been, he's got screwed over by Vince, and now he's getting left, right, and center, and um, now he's boss man's been fucking him over. But that's stuff. a heat. He sold out, so that's yeah. fine. So I had no problem with that. Yeah, he sold out, and as Vince once remarked to him, "You're not the sharpest knife in the drawer." However, he tells him again, doesn't he? He said, "But you are the most dangerous." So. But you also get the hawk. I'm going to commit suicide. <laughs> angle. Where he climbs oh, the Titan Tron. Fucking Paul Ellering's there, crying Paul Ellering, river. Paul Ellering, who, who turned on him, comes out because this is real. Yeah, this, I'm sure this, the word Mike gets mentioned Mike, a few times. Mike is used. Yeah. Grandchildren are... In, no, not grandchildren. Children are invoked because they call him Uncle Mike, I think, is where, where the Mike comes in. It's, it's, just, it's your atypical Russo bullshit, isn't it? Draws <laughs> climbs the Titan Tron to try and calm him down grabs him by the shirt and shoves him off backwards and then about five minutes later a shadow falls of something behind the Titan Tron everybody panics and then it's not mentioned again for the rest of the night and that is and that is this is I feel a little unfair arbitrarily saying that stupid stuff is Russo but I feel comfortable in saying that the lack of foresight in what's ever going to follow this up on this show that smacks of Russo it smacks of Russo because it doesn't it stands out from a lot of the other storylines that do where they do a little follow up here and there which is what's really good about the show at this point yeah. even though some of the angles are completely wacky when we'll, when we'll come to some of the other shows they're kind of consistent and there's a charm to, a wacky charm to them um, you, you can follow some sort of line yeah. that's leading somewhere yeah. for example <laughs> as wacky as it is the whole blue blazer stuff at least there's a, there's a continuity in the sense of Owen's proclaiming it's not him and then you know, the, the, there's the blazer with Owen but we know it's Owen really again with the emphasis by JR putting it over subtly without yep. without ramming it down your throat with no subtlety or just and that, that's the thing I, this, it just got me then the difference between the commentary as well is JR knowing when to be subtle and when to hard sell whereas Shivani and the WCW announced team it sounds like a, a bad used car salesman yeah. telling me that every fucking car I'm looking yeah. at is is the best, the best thing it's perfect and, and you know what it is it's that thing too of when the, the, the praise they got in the early inception of the NWO angle, when they did, when all they could do was non-stop talk about this this massive threat, and and the fact that it worked, obviously, and they got praised for how well it worked, is that like, that's all they know. So this is gonna okay. So every segment, we're gonna treat that like that's the most important thing in the world now, and they can't get off that fucking habit. However, on this show, the main event, Steve Austin versus The Rock for the WWF Championship. Man, the heat in this is fucking insane. The crowd is going rabid. It's a great little match. There's a crazy brawl uh, going on at the end. You got Mankind and Shamrock on the floor as Mankind's trying to get to Vince. Uh, and then out of nowhere, The Undertaker appears to hit Steve Austin with a shovel to end the show. This is like 
Is this like a little test? Do you think it's like can this can this can, can it click? Can, oh, they know it clicks. They could, they, they, I think they thought that this is going to be mania. It's, so yeah. let's test it. So let's test it. And it was like, yeah, this is this is money. This is it. This is the shit. This is what <laughs> we wanted. And the, and the thing is, whilst whilst we are sort of dismissive or belittling of uh, the way Nitro ends with sort of the schmoz finishes and the, the chaotic nature of it all. In much the same way that you, you reference their commentary and, and how big every single angle is, as we've stressed, they have done it repeatedly, and when they do these wild brawls on Nitro, it just tends to be a rash of bodies filling the ring yeah. without rhyme or reason. You, know, you can point to person you know five or six in the queue, whatever. You say, why are they really out there? They're just out there because it's another body. Mm. Whereas at least with something like this, where it's a, it's a schmoz, schmoz finish, you've got interconnecting. Parts. You, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You've got Foley coming out to get to Vince for for obvious reasons. You've got Shamrock and Bossman involved because they're the newer members of the corporation. Taker coming in because he hasn't forgiven Austin for when Austin was special referee and effectively, in his view, screwed him out of the title. So if, you know, it's all interconnected and it all makes sense. And you, again, you can follow those trend lines. Despite having the match of the year between uh, Hoovy and Kidman, an outsider angle that usually works with Bigelow, Nitro took its biggest drubbing in history to a very good episode of Raw. Nitro did a 4.25 to Raw's 5.5, Raw's highest ever rating in a competitive situation. Nitro did a 3.9 in the head-to-head hours, with Raw winning all eight segments and the biggest disaster was for the Goldberg Bam Bam Bigelow confrontation, which was built up for the last 75 minutes as a world title match involving someone who didn't even work for the company. Despite doing a great pull-apart brawl earlier in the show, the competition of Rock vs Austin in the title match led to Nitro suffering a total embarrassment with a 2.7 for Goldberg and Bigelow. Rock and Austin did a 5.5 quarter with a 7.3 overrun. Jesus Christ. <laughs> That's, that's, that's what was the rating on all this last week? Fucking hell. WCW has fallen further behind than at any time in the history of the Monday Night Wars as the company is paying for its lack of developing new talent when it was on top and not creating new storylines this year when it was losing its grip. It's all chickens coming home to roost and fans who have watched Nitro throughout the run have been, have been given sharp, sharp shrift so many times when it comes to their main events, when they when they now decide they're going to advertise it throughout the course of the show, no one really believes it's going to happen. Yeah. So when you hear on the other end, on the other side, Raw's got Austin against The Rock, where there's not this track record of promising something and not delivering in a, in a main event spot, mm. I'd argue. It's only logical that fans are then going to flock to that. It's a double blow, too, because Benoit and Brett, I think, I haven't got them written down, I'm pretty sure it was a 4.4 Brett and Benoit did and it dropped to a 2.7 for Goldberg and Bigelow right near the end and with Rock and Austin obviously getting huge numbers there that's a decisive they know what they want to watch that's unbelievable because Goldberg was silly huge he was hot fucking massive he, he was yeah lit. that is shocking and I think that shows having two now stars on the what in one match against one uh-huh. on the other and that's the one thing I wanted to mention that I remember distinctly watching that show when it happened Rock and Austin on Raw and thinking They've got their two top stars now, in much the same way that there's the Brett Sean dynamic for the years prior, like Rock and Austin. That's it. They got it now. So I mean, you, you're not wrong, Kieran. Goldberg is still a, a big, a big positive for WCW. This Jericho whole. stuff must have wasted him a bit, or, or not being highlighted. But, been... but yeah, but the fact I'm gonna say the fact that he hasn't been highlighted and hasn't really been treated seriously 
in any form or fashion since July yeah when he won the belt you know by the time you've done that however much of a boon he may generally be in com- in comparison to Austin who's been treated as a megastar and Rock who's been treated very well over the last month in particular but obviously prior he'd been building momentum they're just going to cast a large shadow over Goldberg precisely uh, Raw did 290,000 viewers to Nitro's 250,000 which makes it four weeks in a row that Raw has won the England ratings race uh, Vince McMahon apparently wanted The Rock to actually bend over and kiss his ass on Raw but The Rock refused to do it so the idea for the Kiss My Ass Club actually started here they're, they're two smart cookies Austin and The Rock I was going to say you don't hear a lot of guys these days fixing bad ideas do you Not from, especially when it's Vince McMahon wanting to do it himself yeah. and Rock saying no they'd be queuing up they'd be queuing up with chapstick today wouldn't yeah. they just to get that oh, rub zany Dean Ambrose would be there <laughs> uh, Jim Helwig was at Nitro but had nothing for him must be nice to pay a guy that much money and have nothing for him to do uh, five days before the World War 3 uh, pay-per-view of course you mentioned that, that was actually the go-home show um, there were only two matches announced with no episodes of Nitro left to promote them besides World War 3 and Nash and Hall uh, Judy Bagwell was hospitalised this week due to appendicitis yes. and nothing was announced in its place so that tag match is out the window as a cover story they announced that Buff had given Scott the okay to basically jump his mother and had beat her up so badly she was sent to hospital that's how I do love Buff and Scotty style they're great <laughs> they're awesome. they great aren't they the WCW bookers had scripted an angle for the Saturday night tapings for Booker T and Scott Norton to set up a match at World War 3 but neither wanted to do the angle. It wound up being next, and they won't be wrestling either. <laughs> yeah, remember what I said about how it'd be a good idea to make something of Booker T's return from knee injury? Mm-hmm. Yeah. WCW Saturday night and a feud with Scott Norton is not what I was thinking. <laughs> there was talk of Goldberg versus Jericho at the pay-per-view too, but that doesn't look like it'll happen. It's become a big problem as they've done all the angles, but Goldberg doesn't want to sell for or do a match with Jericho. He will do a quickie squash with Jericho, but Jericho doesn't want to do that. All these matches that they're trying to put together, and nobody wants to do anything. But you'd think it might have been an idea to speak with Goldberg before you started doing all these vignettes and things. Yeah. Yeah. Just just a theory. Rumour has it that Bam Bam Bigelow was the most likely winner of the Battle Royal and was going to face Goldberg, but the rating for that quarter may change quickly, the idea of using that as the Starcade main event. It's never going to happen. No. Never happening, Dave. (laughs) This is a good one. There is a behind-the-scenes mindset in the WWF right now regarding Triple H that he may have gotten as far as he can in terms of moving up the ladder and doesn't have the ability or attitude to pass those higher than him. There is a feeling that the guys on top would have been back for Survivor Series with the same knee injury. Of course, Triple H was advertised uh, to wrestle The Rock at that pay-per-view and didn't because his knee wasn't fully healed. Uh, also, there was a belief that X-Pac has surpassed Triple H as the single star of the DX group. Triple H's contract is coming up in 99 and WCW is looking to get him. Really? Um, it took me a long time. I didn't even realise that he wasn't on the show. Trips? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, it, was only, miss him. it was only when we do the stuff we, we, in probably the next couple of weeks with uh, the Outlaws and then and, and Park seemingly a bit of friction or a split or we'll see going forward it was like where's Triple H and all this are they heels or faces or oh he's not on the fucking show he's not around Dude. even China's there but there's no Triple yeah, H yeah. that's it my, my, my response to Kim we, we were talking about this before we were recording was that um, I, I had noticed he wasn't there but at no point did I miss him no <laughs> no point it did didn't I didn't feel like a void either that's the thing no absolutely not 
Um, what was the? Uh, so he was out of Survivor Series. Yeah, he was supposed to. He was supposed to wrestle at Judgment Day and couldn't do it. He was supposed to wrestle in September, couldn't do it. October, couldn't do it. November, people believed he would be back in time. And at the state of his knees, it was examined. They thought a top guy would have, even though you know injured, a top guy would have done it, was and he, he didn't. Was he not set to lose? Yeah, yeah. Is that what he was? Of course. Yeah. Against Rock, who you think is going to win out of those two? Oh yeah, that's what I was going to say. Right? Yeah, precisely. Of the WCW wrestlers whose deals are coming up over the next year plus, the Giant is considered by many in the company as very close to gone. Giant will either have to change his attitude, or Titan will have to create a double standard for him. With his weight ballooning up to 505 pounds, he has a reputation in and out of the ring for overall laziness. The Horsemen were all at Thunder this week, none were used, which caused some heat. The Four Horsemen or the NWO Horsemen? The Four Horsemen. All at Thunder, none used. Is that... There's Nitro and they weren't, there's a Thunder they weren't. They just fly these guys in and don't use them. Uh, in his own legal papers, written in the lawsuit against WCW that Vincent Mann's lawyers wrote, it states, McMahon has established himself as arguably the greatest promoter this country has produced since P.T. Barnum. <laughs> in his own fucking... His own legal documents. Well, Why wouldn't you say if that? If you can't say nice things about yourself, who can say <laughs> nice things about you? Jerry McDivitt earns his crust. Yeah, clearly. As the inside story goes, and this is a big one, which may or may not have a degree of validity, Hogan and Bischoff had a business falling out, with Bischoff deciding to go with Hogan's enemy, Kevin Nash, as the new booker, thus greatly diluting Hogan's political power. It is also made clear to Hogan that due to the WWF's huge ratings victories over the past few weeks, that they are no longer going to build the entire company and every major angle around him. The straw that may have broken the camel's back is the current plan for Nash to beat Goldberg for the title at Starcade, since Hogan agreed to put Goldberg over cleanly as part of a deal where Goldberg's first loss would be then, to Hogan, at Starcade. While there were tentative plans on the table for Nash to win the battle role and then the belt before any of this happened, uh, there was also serious talk that the end result of this would be for Nash to rejoin the black and white at that point, and possibly even hand the belt to Hogan. And this was the first time it was made clear that that wasn't happening. <laughs> Rather than stay with his power diluted, Hogan chose to leave the company and is expected to announce his retirement from wrestling on Thanksgiving on The Jay Leno Show. There has been a lot of speculation about what game is actually being played and I've yet to speak to one person in the company who believes this is anything but a complete angle, even though the office is trying to convince talent that it's a shoot. Hogan has told friends in the company that he's through because Bischoff backstabbed him for Nash. The feeling was to reach out to Nash, who seemingly has spearheaded the anti-Hogan forces in the past, but may be the most influential of the wrestlers in the locker room because he has a reputation for coming up with good ideas. <laughs> the reputation fostered by himself. <laughs> <laughs> it appears that DDP was the liaison in bringing the two together. Oh, of course he was. And Nash appears right now to be the main booking power in the company with DDP as his assistant. And with people like Dusty Rhodes, Terry Taylor and Kevin Sullivan all helping out. Because of the almost total lack of trust in the locker room due to Bischoff in the past trying to unnecessarily work angles to fool the boys, there are people who believe this is an angle by Bischoff and Hogan working together because changes were badly needed from a morale standpoint, and Hogan had openly talked about taking time off anyway before all of this happened. An enormous scam backstage, none of this on screen, to try and work everybody that Hogan's gone, the guy that you all like and support, Kevin Nash, he's got the book, we're moving in a new positive direction everybody. Okay. okay. I need to say they're working on the boys and this pretense of being nice in Bischoff making good or whatever um what were they expecting to happen in the end when it gets revealed 
Just, 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 a wonder, just amusing. Uh, much, much like their TV booking, they're effectively working week to week by that, and they'll have an answer probably by Starcade. <laughs> At some point, you want to feel sorry for the guys in the locker room in, in the sense of constantly being fucked around with them, the company trying to work them all the time, <laughs> rather than promote a pay-per-view. But then... Any no, any notion of sort of sympathy or any empathy I might have had for them goes completely out the window when they look at this entire sorry situation. I think <laughs> Kevin Nash is our what knight in shining armor. He had a reputation. Honestly, at the time, I'm reading these newsletters. It's like people think that Kevin Nash, because of the way he talks, because of the way he I'm, handles himself, because of the way that he, he he talks like he knows what he's talking about. I can, the fucking smoothest bullshitter. I can. Oh, don't get me wrong. I can. I can picture it. I can completely picture it. Yeah. But if they're that fucking stupid in a business that's a work to fall for it, then they deserve everything they get. <laughs> If they're that fucking, was, uh, if they're that fucking blinkered, contract, not having to work. So. <laughs> <laughs> so it hey, hey, didn't stop him cry, griping about it, did it? Absolute craziness. They, what actually makes me laugh here is they know the problem. They're actually, that to me is an acknowledgement yeah. of the problem. They know that this direction is awful, but the plan is to still go with it anyway. And make it worse. And make it worse. Uh, it's unbelievable. And I just got to quickly because I haven't mentioned them yet. Fucking DDP. <laughs> What uh, a dick. Well, <laughs> none of us were shocked to hear that he was the go-between, were we? Oh, just, no, not one bit. No, yeah, the brown nose are extraordinaire. <laughs> just going through him, like, of all the dudes who, like, dress like dickheads, DDP, for me, is the cuntiest of the cunt. Yeah. Cunty, for me. This is a man who, in his dad jeans, thought that taping up his ribs was a fashion accessory. <laughs> Brett the hit scum heart yeah and he like, says it Hollywood scum Hogan oh thanks there you go he found a new word DDP fuck off DDP I'm glad I'm, I'm glad Taker squashed him <laughs> <laughs> we move to the big show the one that none of us have, 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 have we've talked about more than they did World War 3 November 22nd the building did still sell out 16,588 people in the building and 0.63 Half the buy rate, less than half the buy rate for Survivor Series, 236,250 buys. Kevin Nash, of course, the new booker, wins the 60-man battle royal and will wrestle Bill Goldberg at Starcade. A fantastic showing from Big Kev here, as he eliminates everybody in his ring early, stands there, waits for everybody else to finish, enters, and then eliminates all of them as well. Uh, hold on, just one second. They'd only promoted... Um two matches ahead of time for this show mm-hmm. they announced DDP and Brett on the Thunder ok so they've advertised three matches one being the Battle Royal one being Brett against DDP we all know it should be Brett Goldberg and Nash Hall yeah now did Nash Hall happen no right so <laughs> they advertised three they only advertised three matches one of which never happened anyway. Yeah. And of the two matches that actually happened, only one of them was advertised three days before the pay-per-view. Yeah. Everybody's going to do all that standing around waiting for the other ring to empty. So yeah. with, the, with the hair flick and yeah. you know maybe a couple of crotch chops to just appear even more second rate. <laughs> we don't burn, burn yourself out. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Billy Kimmer meets Hooman through Guerrero to get uh, his belt back. Pretty much a nothing show of that. No hot matches. Sluggish crowd. Stevie Ray refuses to do a job for Conan. So Ray wins by DQ instead. Uh, and the Battle Royal doesn't even headline the show. DDP versus Bret Hart closes the show with a, a shitty fake referee finish in DDP eventually. Match restarts. DDP gets the win in the US title. So basically, by the way, if you didn't notice, the new booking committee, DDP and Kevin Nash, the two guys that go over, DDP and Kevin Nash. Yeah, uh, where was was Goldberg on the show? Wasn't on. I don't know, I'm watching. Remember? (laughs) It was why he wasn't there. I I know, but I just just feel it needs emphasizing. Oh, well, you know, we saw last week, he's ratings poison. He can't draw unless Meng's in the ring with him. <laughs> it hardly went without notice on the pay-per-view. Nash's match, advertised as one of the headline matches, didn't take place, no, and it no. destroyed everyone in his ring. Plans for him to follow by ending Goldberg's streak. Both Chris Benoit and Chris Jericho have been vocal about not signing new deals with huge races that have been put in front of them. Benoit to the point of making it clear on the WCW internet broadcast of the pay-per-view that he wanted out of the company, <laughs> and the WWF would no doubt be strongly interested in both. This caused Bischoff to throw a fit in the middle of the pay-per-view when he found out, but Bischoff did later apologise for his overreaction. To be honest, I don't think that is an overreaction. No, no, not in the slightest. When an employee says on the broadcast, I don't want to be here anymore, I don't want to go to the WWF, that's bullshit. Yeah, it's bullshit. And granted, it's probably brought on by bullshit that's happened to him. Oh yeah, it's, it's, and it's the atmosphere they fostered. Yeah, for fuck's sake. So that, well, everyone turns down jobs. Everyone turns down fucking matches and feuds. If you don't stand up for yourself and talk shit and you know do what you want, apparently, because no one gets punished. Yeah. You're or, Scott Putzky. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, no one wants to be Scott Putzky. No. The next day, uh, Raw and Nitro, it's November 23rd now, the big story on this show is the Steve Austin angle, which was unusually lame, to the point that uh, I'm shocked it got through the editing process, says Dave Meltzer. It left a bad taste on an otherwise good show. This is, of course, the show-long embalming <laughs> fiasco yeah. where... Steve Austin is in the hospital to start the show. He gets kidnapped by Taker and Paul Bearer. They go to bury him alive. Then they change their mind. They try to then embalm him alive. Taker is doing his Latin devil chants. And then Kane wanders in and saves the day as Steve Austin just runs off, I guess. This series of... I cannot believe that Austin went with this. This series, yeah. First segment, Austin in a, hotel, in a hospital bed. No. No. Steve Austin would not sit there in a hospital bed. Yeah. No chance. He goes home and fucking... Go home, get some aspirin and drink a beer. Yeah. Nah. And then take a... After they kidnap him with the chloroform, I guess, and they drag him into the... He hasn't dug the fucking hole yet. No. Moron. It's a half-dug <laughs> hole, so he has to leave sleeves the, yeah. you know, the semi-unconscious Steve Austin lying on a pile yeah. of dirt. Well, then, luckily... Does he drug him again? He comes yeah, to, yeah, drugs him again. again, then he drags him to the car, yeah. and he goes off to stab him in the chest with his big thing. Yeah, as Paul Bear was getting the embalming fluid ready. But thank God for Kane just arbitrarily turning up. Yeah, he was there anyway. <laughs> Carl, yeah, come on. Yeah, be- because the segment isn't shit enough already. You just need Kane to be the cherry on the shit I'll Sunday. I'll be honest, I was thankful for uh, Eddie. It's just... It's just... Of all the things that Austin has refused, will refuse to do, did he just have an attack of conscience all of a sudden? You know, slightly, but, it, but again, yeah. probably could take. But even more so, why the fuck does Taker agree to this? Yeah. I mean, we're already on that trajectory of the, the, and as much as there are times when I can't stand Taker, this is really the start of what I consider his. 
Oh, is it his worst period? Bear in mind what he does during the invasion. Oh, either way, it's not. It's if it's not if it's not top of the list. <laughs> if it's not top of the list, it's not far removed. The whole venture off into all this ministry bullshit that we're going to be fed for the next six months. It's just hideous from start to finish, and I just cannot believe it happened. <laughs> where, where did the, where does this come from? What the idea? His no, him and his character of the of the the, the Latin they, speaking well, embalmer. He just so there was never an explanation why Barrett was suddenly back with him. He just was. He was well. They just had that walk out on on Raw. They walked out. There's, that there's been a reconciliation, and oh by the way, I really did start the fire. So, so, so much for the last 18 months, eh? <laughs> but we had you going. Uh, just, and did they, did they just... Was it just a... We've been on too much of a good streak lately. Let's throw Nitro a bone. <laughs> um, they set this up, obviously, it was the, the, the shovel shot, and then they showed... Yes. Um, a high show... Was it high show footage? Was high show footage. Yeah. passed out, right? Was that a work? Yeah. It was a work. It was a work to set up this. Uh, at least they put foresight into this shit angle. Yeah, they did. <laughs> yeah. Of all the things to put foresight into, this piece of shit. Can we can we get to the to what I said the real highlight of the show, please? Let's see. What what is the, the curious the curious thing being? What does Liam think as he goes through the notes now, listeners? What does he think will be my highlight of the show? <laughs> is it when Mark Henry asks China out on a date? There we go. <laughs> <laughs> and she says yes. And he falls backwards, and Dilo is so happy for him. <laughs> it's wonderful. <laughs> Vince announces Shawn Michaels as the new commissioner, who uh, then turns around and uh, books the Rock vs. X Pack on his DX buddies for the main event for the WF Championship tonight. So that's your, uh, your main event that you're going to get. What? Why? Why was he made commissioner? It's, it's well, it, it, we find out in the we end. Know what, we know. No, that's not. That's not why. I want to know why. The reason. Yeah. We'll, well, we'll not, come to that too. Okay, okay. We'll come to that too. I was going to say, because he's just... Again, and again, this is something... I feel like we should have saved a lot of this for the recording, but again, me and uh, Kieran <laughs> talking about this prior to us um, starting the show was just how misplaced Michael seems in, in, in this whole setup as, yeah. as the... What we'll, what we'll get to, the corporate commissioner. And I just wonder if it's one of those where it was only ever planned to be so many weeks or if they they just they, you know the light bulb went off above their heads and they realised mm, this isn't the best use of him but I uh, I suppose you'll divulge as we get to that Liam indeed um, so we also have ICP turning heel on the oddities they were always heels <laughs> never liked him Goldust the Mark Mero ends with the debut of PMS uh, Terry Runnels and Jacqueline kicking both in the balls or hitting both in the balls uh, Mankind beats Ken Shamrock and the boss man in a three way due to the job squad come on Carl where's your enthusiasm gone <laughs> Dwayne Gill wins the light heavyweight championship thanks to the job squad come on Carl <laughs> come on the job squad then beat the new age outlaws what the going on <laughs> Carl you there and then the the uh, there should be an investigation into this. I'm sure they were betting irregularities. They were deliberately trying to throw the night. 
Godfather goes to a no contest with Tiger Ali Singh when Regal attacks Godfather. Val Venus makes the save because the plan is to make Godfather and Val Venus a tag team called Supply and Demand. <laughs> you heard over with you, I guess? <laughs> yes. The main event sees Rock beat X back with a zillion more turns. The Outlaws, Shamrock and Bossman all came out, but Michaels ordered all of them to the back. Rock grabbed the chair, but Michaels took it from him, and in the Vince Russo special, turns around and hits X back in the head to lead to the pin. Shawn Michaels is also corporate. But I, I'm with Carl on this one. I think that this is, again, Russo-rific, Russo no foresight, because there's nothing, there's no reason. Why does, he need, why does Vince need a commission? It's basically, the premise is, at the end of the day, Vince is just fucking with people because he can. Yeah. Um, it's gotten out of control with Vince, but this is his playground now. Yeah, but, so, but in, in story reason, there's no foreshadowing to the use of a commissioner so far as I know nope um, it's just arbitrarily there and then Sean turns it's like why there wasn't, wasn't even a pretense of why we need a commissioner and why it would be Sean Michaels it wasn't like Sean was needed to fuck DX out of something no it was just it was just it's like a show of healdom but yeah. it went nowhere so that's kind of it, which is insane well why do you do that it's very WCW but it's like it's, it's almost like that it was just a short term fucking yep. fumble fuck and, and uh, to, to your point there Kieran, at least in 97 when they bring Slaughter in as the commissioner Vince is still going through the motions of I'm just the good guy commentator and you know there is a logical reason for needing a figurehead position but you know, a year on from that we're past any pretense we know Vince is the owner we know that Shane is the the heir apparent. Uh, no, no, no jokes, please. We know. Yes, we all know what happens, but you know. And and the commissioner has effectively been relegated to another member of the Stooges. Yes. There, there's no. There's no. Like like you say, there is no. From a storyline perspective, there is no reason to have an, an authority figure there because Vince is the. It's it's already the authority figure as the owner. Was this week or the uh, debut of Stephanie backstage? Um, it may well have been that uh, that cutaway where um, she's walk- yeah, I can't remember who it's with, and she's walk- she just walk- she's just walking backstage, and someone a- someone asks where someone is. No, I, I, I think it's the week after Austin's Austin's on the warpath, isn't he? Looking for someone. Austin makes sense. Yeah, yeah. yeah looking for Taker. No, looking for Taker and Bearer. Looking for ta- yeah, looking yeah. for Taker and Bearer, oh, and uh, yeah. it's it's Stephanie's little cameo. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. So, over on Nitro, November 23rd, Kevin Ash and Goldberg do their first confrontation to build the Starcade. Uh, Barry Windham turns on Ric Flair, the horsemen go for a save, but the black and white lay them out. So this is their big push. Yeah, fucking hell, the horsemen have felt so cold this month. I'm rather watching their stuff on Nitro, it's like, cold? It was only like, a, like six weeks ago that they did that great return, where Flair comes back, the, the new horseman is, is here, and it's like, what the fuck's happened to them? Still there. <laughs> Still there, but you know, fucking, you know, getting laid out by the black, the, the fucking B team, the black and white losers, Horace and you know, fucking Adams and these losers, unbelievable. Right, so hell, again, they got knocked out by Virgil. Fire. <laughs> <laughs> and Crush. Yeah. Oh, uh, and and Slapjack. Yeah. Don't forget Slapjack. Because suckers got to know. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Kevin Nash pins Wrath 
on this show in a match that seemed to get a lot of static for the, for years to come on the internet apparently uh, Wrath had obviously been doing an undefeated run of his own on Nitro beating up people like Kendall Widham getting a bit of steam with his uh, meltdown finishing move Kevin Nash establishing himself as a man who ends undefeated streaks here beating Wrath with the uh, the jackknife I didn't have a problem with this no problem because he was big good look great look I loved Adam Bomb because of the look yep but he's, he's stiff and mm. no presence and he's fucking post win celebration which is like you know the Tiger Woods fist pump or whatever <laughs> stupid uh, Chris Jericho does a funny promo on Duncombe Jr uh, and Ralphus has brought out Hogtide so Ralphus is now look the, the, you know Chris Jericho has gone from working with Goldberg and getting speared in the aisle and the crowd going crazy to working with the, the, the new cowboy with Ralphus as the focus it's just it was, yeah, misplaced priorities here uh, Goldberg kills Giant with a jackhammer in 1 minute and 34 seconds which seems to indicate the company is resigned to Giant leaving as he did give notice last week uh, Bam Bam Bigelow and Kevin Nash run in for pull aparts to close the show so uh, there you go that jackhammer looks great jackhammer looks awesome doesn't it yeah. do you reckon you could still get him up no really <laughs> I think Big Joe's too fat now you, he weighs more now than he did then uh, no I think Goldberg's not as roided now oh, as he okay. was then so uh, so about the ratings here for this very interesting night. Raw did a 4.5. Remember, they did a 5.5 last week. A full point drop, 4.5 to Nitro's 4.2. The Raw rating grew to a 5.4 until Undertaker and Bearer arrived and carried the unconscious Austin out the hospital into the hearse. The rating dropped noticeably every single quarter until the overrun because of that angle. Uh, Rock vs. X Pac ended up doing a 4.6 in the main event to Bret Hart and Dean Malenko, which did a 4.3. So very, very close. Um, Giant and Goldberg also did a 4.3. There was no question at this point that a lot of steam has been taken from Goldberg as his pops are nothing like they were even six weeks ago and his ratings drawing power is waning even compared to WCW's fortunes. So yeah, it's what we said, it's the horseman, it's Goldberg, the past six weeks, the focus in the wrong places, or no focus anywhere it seems like, it's, it's, it's taken its toll. Uh, in the UK, Raw wins again, 350,000 viewers to 270,000 viewers. Michaels' return to WF television as the new heel commissioner coincided with a diagnosis from the back specialist who gave him the word that his career is now over. Bullshit. The feeling was he could be reintroduced with an angle, which more likely than not would have uh, been to turn on DX and feud with Triple H when he was physically ready. With the word that, that may no longer be possible, WWF is attempting to get some return on its $750,000 per year contract with Michaels by making him at least a heel television commissioner character. Michaels, while not wrestling by the way, another one for the conspiracy corner, was actually being paid on his lifetime disability policy as well as his $750,000. Was that with Lloyds of London? Uh, it probably was. They all, they all seem to be with Lloyds of London. But yeah, so that's the reason. It was just a, a hot shot. Well, you can't wrestle. Let's just bring him back now. Because they weren't going to let him go. <laughs> no, we were going to let him go. Absolutely no way. They knew. He, they knew. It was bullshit. They'd wait him out. That's what they did. Even if that is the case, which it is. I don't know why I pose that as a question. We all know it. We all know Predicting with hindsight is fucking beautiful, Kyle. You can't go wrong. Seriously. <laughs> yeah. I can only imagine... It was this sense of, well, when he left, he was a heel. He so, had a perfect reason to be a heel because so, the whole so, DX so thing, we should drop the ball. We should, we should return him as a heel, but even so, the notion of corporate Shawn Michaels, yeah. even if you want to go with him as a heel character, it just, you know, it just doesn't fit. Nitro Extra, the second edition, uh, November 24th, the crowd was again absolutely dead and the wrestlers were exhausted being out there so late with no crowd enthusiasm, the taping went past midnight. <laughs> 
Stevie Ray versus Van Hammer was so horrible Ooh. it has to be seen to be believed. It's like a three minutes Reader's Digest version of Hogan and Warrior with a comatose crowd. The show did a 2.4. An awful number, says Dave Meltzer, which is, again, probably better than Raw did this last week. Among the ideas being battered around right now are combining the NWO back into one group as heels. Though obviously, since the idea is to get rid of the NWO dud guys, they're probably going to end up being cheered anyway. Sting and Conan will remain faces and probably feud with them. So, again... Uh, that's assuming we ever see Sting again at this point. Yeah, and that Conan's woken up from Perry Sam. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but Why couldn't Taker embalmed him? Yeah. <laughs> but think about it, though. This company, is, it's not like they're not making plans now that actually happen in the new year. They're making plans, but they're just fucking awful plans. <laughs> I mean, that, that's, not, that's really the crux of this. There's disorganisation, don't get me wrong, folks, but they're actually planning, we've talked about, you know, January main events, February plans, grouping back, you know, we took, you know, back in the end of September, October, Nash is going to wrestle Goldberg at Slackhead. They've got plans, they're building to them, but they're fucking horrible. It is, it's literally up there with Operation Barbarossa. It's like <laughs> things you should just not do, and they plan them well ahead of time, and they still do them. Um, and WCW don't even have the excuse of their plans being fucked up by the Italian army. <laughs> Standards and practices, cards more lethal than any oh, army in Italy could muster. That's probably why DDP had to settle on using the word scum. Yeah. Oh my god. It appears likely WCW is just going to eat Warriors' contract as they didn't even bother bringing him to the pay per view or Nitro. So there you go, his work is over, and that is the end of The Warrior in WCW. It's for the best. <laughs> uh, November 25th, Scott Hall had a mishap wrecking a rented 1999 Cadillac, his fifth car wreck of the year. It could be a 1999. Huh? Oh, that's wrong, isn't it? <laughs> 1999 Cadillac. Well, maybe it was released a year ahead like Madden games are, you know? Uh, he fell asleep at the wheel, and the car rolled over three times. He could have been seriously injured, but he was wearing his seatbelt and escaped with a, with a bunch of cuts and bruises, and his face was a little swollen. But he wasn't even hospitalised. Anyway, they took a breathalyzer, and he wasn't even intoxicated. That's bullshit. <laughs> he, he, he paid him. He paid him off. Well, just because he, he, he passed the, uh, the breathalyzer doesn't mean he wasn't pilled up. So, you know, you, you got to think it's not all booze yeah, with drug driving. Hey, put your, put your seatbelt on, though. That was pretty impressive. That's, that's pretty responsible. Eddie Guerrero couldn't do that. No. Pillman didn't do it. Pillman that. didn't do it. Pillman absolutely didn't do it. Uh, November... I'm, I'm amazed it's only five car wrecks. <laughs> yeah. November 26th, Hulk Hogan announces his retirement on The Tonight Show and talks about running for president. Which, by the way has been promoted this appearance on Jay Leno more than probably World War 3 oh I know it's not even a doubt it's probably cool. World War 3 cool. not even a shred of that in my mind a, a presidential run he put so much forethought into that when Leno asked him if he was going to run as a Democrat or a Republican he couldn't even answer and didn't even have the brain power to think of saying I'm going to run as a third party candidate uh, Hogan didn't think very well on his feet and he looked bad on the show still his retirement did get a lot of mainstream coverage and CNN and ESPN uh, did talk about him running for president so Hogan's desperate publicity grab I guess worked but the thing is though if anyone's ever seen the whole thing of the Jay Leno show Leno just buries him the whole way through Leno's got no time for it when he talks about his retirement Leno outright says so is this going to be one of those retirements where you come back in six weeks <laughs> how long was it about six weeks 
So let her know the score. Poofy, Jay. Yeah, he asked if uh, Professor Toru Tanaka was going to be his uh, running mate. <laughs> um, Stephen Regal was sent home in the middle of the tour this past week because he was in no condition to perform. Aside from his theme song, up to this point he's been a huge disappointment for a guy who, when he was signed, was being considered a potential title contender for Austin. You put me in a fucking hard hat. And you wanted him against Austin. <laughs> I don't know. Just goes to show that WCW doesn't have a monopoly on bad ideas. No, certainly not. Uh, Rick and Scott Steiner both signed three-year contracts just days before their deals expired for $600,000 per year apiece. Rick Steiner earning $600,000 a year for any reason. I don't care how hot the business is. Guaranteed is criminal the, the, the number itself is galling and the fact that he's on parity with Scott yeah is just another you know black eye for the Steiners who would team with Judy Bagwell if uh, he left we go now to the final Royal Nitro of this month uh, November 30th Oddities and Luna uh, going against the Headbangers and ICP is officially made for the Rock Bottom pay-per-view get your wallets out now folks <laughs> Steve Austin stuns the Insane Clown Posse and the Headbangers and then does a promo on The Undertaker. So obviously this is what we talked about before, the show-long thing where he's going to chase down Taker. Insane Clown Posse actually complained about how to take the stunner from Steve Austin. Really? Yeah. Fucking hell. Carl, what do you think? (laughs) I think we all know what I think. Kieran, come on. Someone's going to mention this. Widen that ditch. (laughs) I thought... I thought... They'd struck a deal to use these guys on screen because they were using their music or something. Yeah. And that, 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 it that. was taking the stunner or something they thought was cool because they get to take the stunner on TV. Oh, that's fucking... They didn't want to take the stunner. shit. Yeah. I, I don't think they quite grasped who was using who and who were the real beneficiaries in all this. Yeah. Uh, Bossman and Shamrock attack the brood to uh, save the New Age Outlaws, teasing that the Outlaws might be joining the corporation. Obviously, this is after uh, Sean had done so the prior week. So uh, there's a bit of an Outlaws tease here. Again, you mentioned it before, Kieran. Dissension within the DX ranks. The Undertaker locks Steve Austin in a meat locker backstage. So, unfortunately, at this early juncture, it's not really looking all that much better last week. (laughs) We'll see how things go. It's a simpler plan, I'll give them that. It is, it is. (laughs) But it fails again. (laughs) Carl, let's hear it. Mark Henry and China go out on a date. (laughs) It's the greatest love story of the 20th century. (laughs) I don't think I need to say any more than that. I'm I'm welling up now just just thinking about it. (laughs) I think think this this, this little sequence deserves... We've buried the fucking embalming, so I want to give this this a bit of credence. So it starts off... Zelo's prepping him. He's prepping (laughs) him for the date. Mark's looking smooth with his suit and his reading glasses, looking like a gentleman. Flowers. <laughs> got the car ready. Limo, the limo's there. Oh, got the, as he got, already. And he, he's with D'Lo and he asks D'Lo, will you come on the date with me? Which he's like, what the fuck? Come on, Mark. D'Lo's not having any of this, but eventually they're just, okay, Mark, I'm going to go for moral support. So he goes he goes on the date with Mark Henry outside the uh, bar restaurant thing and on the way there, um, outside the limo, yeah. Oh yeah, he's in the jacket first. Yeah, and then the hat, and everyone, the crowd just pisses themselves. And yeah, he wants D'Lo to be his fucking driver. So D'Lo eventually he's not happy. He's not happy, but he gives in. So he says, "Okay," gets in the in the driver's seat. Mark Henry standing by the, in the back seat, nonplus, not happy, hands outstretched. The crowd starts cracking up again. He knocks on the window. D'Lo gets out of the car. And Henry's not happy because you need to get your practice in D'Lo. Open my door. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hilarious. So they go on the date. 
and uh, yeah, well, I think that's where we're up to. They've had the meal, I guess. She's uh, not in charge. Really. Which you know, why did she say yes? What a dick tease, you know. Mm. Um, so yeah, she wasn't impressed, but they go dancing. And, uh, and that's where he really wins her over. And that's when he wins her over. He goes off to, he goes off to the bathroom, does he, I think? Yeah, he goes to the bathroom. And uh, she gets some insult, insults uh, when he's away. So she nails one dude. Henry comes in as just as... The, yeah, the, the, and uh, yeah, takes out the other two. And uh, yeah, something special's happening here. Oh, yeah. And Dilo's, Dilo's facial expressions throughout. Just, yeah. This comedic timing. <laughs> he's channeled Eddie Murphy or something. He's, <laughs> he's channeled one of the great comedians of the 80s and he's bringing it into the 90s it's just uh, I recognise D-Lo Dave Meltzer says it was the first time Mark Henry ever did anything really good in this business <laughs> uh, I didn't actually realise whether this was like perceived as a good or bad angle or not. no it's, it's he, been, he, apparently perceived as very good I didn't, uh, know, I didn't know either uh, take a beat up cane and uh, Bearer gets the orderlies on him so again this is the show along we're, we're, we're going to come back to this several times the boss man wins the hardcore title in a ladder match uh, against mankind when the rock interferes in a very very questionable <laughs> tights and shoes uh, combination and of course his shirt that makes an appearance over this period several times uh, to cover up his chest because there are issues he's fuck- oh yeah well, he's bitched it yeah which, which are, are very very prevalent, very prevalent. yeah he's uh, did he wear did he take off his boots and his knee pads just to show off the size of his quads I think so because they fucking enormous fucking he looks like big he's like been expanded or something <laughs> Who, who are we to judge the dress sense of the man who's just voted sexiest man alive? <laughs> that's right, that's right. Who, who, are we, who are we to doubt People magazine? Yeah, if you didn't know that, Kieran, The Rock has been voted the sexiest man alive. Oh, fantastic. Well done, Mr. Rock. Yeah. I was going to call him Dwayne, but that's wrong. Man. No, no. He is, yeah. Take a beat up Kane again and puts him in a body bag. When Austin hits him with a shovel and he and Kane, working together for some reason, uh, put Taker in the bag. Uh, Dwayne Gill beats Mark Merrow in a match where Merrow said he'd retire if he lost. The Blue Meanie interfered in the finishing. More job squad. X-Pac versus Ken Sherrock had a big boss man running, and uh, Triple H returns. Where you been, Trips? We forgot that you were here. Uh, so a big pop out. So he does get give the devil his due here. The, the crowd did go kind of crazy when Triple H uh, appears. So uh, yeah, Trips is back, and uh, obviously with uh, with Sean fucking over X-Pac, Triple H is here to help. The orderlies take the Undertaker away, even though Paul Bearer thought that it was actually Kane. Did he unzip the body bag? And Kane's mask was on Undertaker, yeah. Oh, was it? Okay. Yeah, Kane's mask's on him, so he thinks it's Kane. Of course, they, they thought of that, you see, often. Genius. Yeah. Um, Shane brought out uh, Sable to come out with a new WWF cologne and perfume. Shane started looking down her top and she sprayed the cologne in his eyes. Needless to say, this was not nearly as funny as Mark Henry. No, it was not. No. Although Shane saying ooh de toilette was quite funny. <laughs> and, and then say after he gets sprayed saying also makes a delicious breath spray or something like that. <laughs> Could have been funny. Uh, Rock beats Al Snow to keep the title. Al is this Jabroni's name? <laughs> Kane and Austin then catch Paul Bearer and throw him down a manhole to end the show. It, it, no word on whether or not we found Jimmy King down there while he was there, by the way. It's remarkable that during during this skit that uh, uncontrollable you know going berserk Kane who can't be reasoned with for several weeks now takes instruction from Steve Austin he wasn't uncontrollable Carl he was lost he was directionless Steve Austin temporarily gave him direction uh, November 30th on Nitro over on the other channel to combat this the show was better than it's been in a while which is really high praise Eric Bischoff named Scott Steiner as the new leader of NWO Hollywood and to be quite honest that is much deserved after the past month Scott Steiner I think has been quite fantastic here with his outbursts his rage he comes off so much more major league than 
all the other NWO stooges. And, yet, and actually as a pure heel too. And yet he's paid the same amount as his brother Rick, who's tagged in with Kenny Chaos and Judy Bagwell. Don't start. More to, <laughs> more to the point, I don't feel that Scott Steiner should be the leader, because I don't feel he deserves to, ha- to have that taint on him. Mm. He, he shouldn't be associating with the likes of Stevie Ray. Breaking if away. it wasn't for the ragtag uh, underlings, yeah, the, 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 uh, the way they tried to push it as him being the replacement for Hogan, it could have been a nice rub. And yeah, he was, but yeah, it's still great. Mm. You're yeah. the leader of the job squad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. You're, you're the Al Snow of WCW. <laughs> oh. Oh. <laughs> Conan won the television title from Chris Jericho on this show. Got a big pop. The Wolfpack all come out to celebrate and put Conan on their shoulders. So, a uh, big moment here for K Dog. No, it's Jericho. Not the television title. Hey, the crowd treated it like a big deal, Carl, even if you were the one person there who wasn't making a sound. I can't believe we've got this far into this podcast and not mentioning Conan's fucking music video. Oh, yeah, because it was everywhere. Every fucking break. Oh, all over the place. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> oh, unbearable. I like Conan because I have memories of LAX. Yeah. I don't like him anymore after watching his fucking music video a thousand times. Bret Hart says he can't wrestle once again due to a groin injury on this show. Uh, Ric Flair does a good promo talk about history, the wrestling uh, business, and challenges Eric Bischoff to Starcade. Uh, Dean Malenko has to beat Barry Windham first, however, an edict from, uh, from Eric Bischoff there. Dean Malenko wins by disqualification. Uh. Who was the referee? Dusty Rhodes is the referee. Looking, dressed like Eric Bischoff. Yeah. With jeans, an NWO t-shirt, and a leather biker jacket. Yeah, so Fucking Dust- hell. Dusty's the ref. Dusty, of course, is in the NWO and has been since, f- like, fucking February or something like that and done for, nothing. For, for reasons no one can explain. Yeah, no, what, yeah, they'd never do anything with Dusty in the NWO. So he rings the bell on Barry Windham and turns babyface so that Ric Flair will, in fact, be, uh, face Eric Bischoff at Starcade. Thanks for that. Hey, hey. Why is Dusty a heel? Why is he in the NWO? And given his history with Flair, why would he want to help Flair in any way? Why is Dusty Rose on television being discussed right now? <laughs> fuck off, Dusty. <laughs> You've had your chance. You've had your time. Like, get, the fuck out. get the fuck out, you know? There was a sense of the uh, using Shawn Michaels as the commissioner about this uh, malarkey. Mm, bringing all the star power you can from the past. Maybe. Anything, yeah. Uh, Hall and Nash reunite on the show to wrestle Scott Steiner and Horace. Uh, disappointing reactions from the crowd says Dave Meltzer but the babyfaces go over they did a Goldberg versus Nash contract signing in which they announced that Goldberg wouldn't be defending the title until Starcade. <coughs> Bam Bam Bigelow who's at ringside tried to hit the ring but was then thrown out the building the rest of the show they cut away to shots of Bigelow in the back of the building calling out Goldberg like a schoolyard street fight uh, and Goldberg and Bigelow then have the great brawl outside ending with a spear on the grass <laughs> <laughs> The main event, once again, is Brett the Scum Man Hart against... Hit Scum. Hit Scum Hart against Diamond Dallas... Scum Man make too much sense, Sorry. Giant attacks Diamond Dallas Page. Brett Hart gets the US title back. DDP in yet another main event. Raw did a 5.0 to Nitro's 4.25. Bossman and Mankind peaked the show with a 5.7 rating, so... uh, (laughs) I don't know if you want to credit that to trailer or Foley, but... Uh, hey, Mick Patas is in the seat. The la- ladder match. Don't you forget it, Skeerbone. Yeah, ladder match. Outsiders reuniting got Nitro's only quarter-hour win uh, of the night. And obviously, they, they haven't had many quarter-hour wins recently, so make that what you will. A 4.66 to a 4.62. Uh, they won the segments going up against the stiff competition of Val Venus versus Tiger Alley Singh. <laughs> <laughs> In 
the UK. Raw, however, does a th- uh, 350,000 viewers to 260,000 viewers for Nitro, making it six weeks in a row that Raw has won, and the margin of victory is growing every single week. Uh, the differences between WWF and WCW when it comes to being on the ball was evident again when each group went live on the day the TV Guide Pro Wrestling cover story came out. WCW made no mention of probably the single biggest media breakthrough of all, a cover story in the most widely read magazine in the country. WWF played it up for all it was worth, showing the Steve Austin and Undertaker covers, and then Jim Ross said twice on the show, if those copies are sold out, you may have to buy a copy with the retired Hulk Hogan or the Austin wannabe yeah. Bill Goldberg. I was about to say that, like, the first time they mention it, Yeah. Um, and it's, yeah, interesting. Now, now we're starting to get a little foothold, let's fucking bury them. Let's get them back. It, it is a sign of self-confidence, yeah. if nothing else. Absolutely. The issue of TV Guide had the highest uh, newsstand sell-through percentage of any issue since Princess Diana's death. A lot of people were snapping up these uh, Austin covers, I, I imagine, and the, uh, the rip-off. Maybe people bought the Goldberg one because they thought it was Austin. <laughs> Jim yeah. Ross, I, I suppose. I that. Yeah. <laughs> How many could they have sold if it was D'Lo and Mark on the covers? They would have sold it. It appears they won't be doing the Tuesday Nitros anymore. Oh. TNT asks for shows every week in December, but WCW tried to convince them otherwise because there's no way to do a fourth hour of TV without the audience being comatose, the wrestlers being exhausted, and the announcers working on fumes. Speaking of which, um, <laughs> not speaking of which, or you see the uh, TN- TNT sign in the crowd for one of the Nitros. Which was that? Top Notch Television. Who held that sign? There was. It was obviously a plan. It was uh, when, when they do one of them like tracks, and it comes up from the crowd showing signs, and then yeah. trucks around to the ring. Yeah, there's about three or four signs. They all look fake, but the most fake was top Who? notch if, television. If there's a fan out there, and if you're listening, <laughs> and you took the time to get a piece of card from W. H. Smith, and took a pen and wrote TNT top notch television, I can only <laughs> I can only assume that someone from TNT got comped tickets and they were taking their son or something mm. and he wanted to take like I guess like an Austin poster he said no you can't do that took it off him and let's see you go let's come up with something else and yeah there you go son there you go in all cases of the WCW expiring contracts Bischoff is making these next few weeks crunch time the basic threat is that if wrestlers don't re-sign now they will no longer be pushed on television Bischoff wanted Jericho to sign his new deal on the spot at Nitro and when he didn't Bischoff ordered for the TV belt to be taken off him and put on Conan Eddie Guerrero lost to Billy Kibben on Nitro because he was also directly given the new deal and didn't sign it there on the spot uh, Mysterio Jr. was basically given an ultimatum that if he doesn't sign his new deal now, the deal, which does have a sizable raise, will be pulled off the table. The belief within the company during the week was that all the other names, Giant, Benoit, Malenko, Jericho and Guerrero, were likely to leave. Bischoff has actually presented the wrestlers with three-year contracts what is believed to be between 450000 to five hundred grand per year for everybody except Rey Mysterio, who is offered significantly less, and Giant, who is offered significantly more. These figures have also apparently upset Juventud Guerrera, who's been the most exciting in-ring performer in the company and has just signed a three-year contract for $200,000 a year, less than half of what is being offered to the others. So, apart uh, from Ray. <laughs> apart from Ray, which is probably right nice. in line. Yeah, right in line. So that's the way that things uh, shake out here at the end of November, lads. And uh, we, we've seen WCW kind of veer off in the same direction they've been heading for the last three months now. It was neck and neck there for a while, but it's not looking good for WCW. WWF has seen The Rock turn heel and become quite glorious in his uh, in his uh, matches on television. Good stuff across the board. Austin's kind of involved in this thing with Taker, and this is kind of the pattern we'll see from Taker from quite a while, where Taker's angles as a heel really 
dog shit. Just tripe. Absolute yeah. tripe. I'll give the company the benefit of the doubt in the sense of it's it's never gonna be completely straightforward to come up with a scenario which which keeps Austin away from the away from the belt for an extended period, obviously. Uh, thankfully uh, Austin's involvement with him will uh, will soon be over but Taker as we'll see will just go off into, into even more abstract nonsense <laughs> but that's the thing isn't it even for some of the the more outlandish stuff that involves Taker some of the booking that doesn't quite mesh whether it be Sean as the, as the heel commissioner or, or the manner in which Austin signs a new contract you know th- points which you can kind of connect up to a point, but they're not properly elaborated on. Even so, it is straight ahead of what the other side are offering up. And it just goes to show how much of a downward trajectory WCW are on that one of the few things they get to crow about during this entire month is the fact that an outsider's reunion wins a quarter hour just barely against Val Venus and Tiger Ali Singh but you actually say it aloud it's actually but I think I think if anything sort of you know encapsulates the the, the state of the war as it is in, in December 98 I think that does it you can look at this and you can just say you know what if you're a fan you figured out Nitro it's the, and you're not going to get anything different and anything that is different that actually perks your interest Goldberg, The Horseman, Bret Hart, Chris Jericho, The LWO, perhaps, if that's your thing. None of it's going to mean anything. That's the thing. Yeah, it's like finally all that shit we've been talking about has come home to roost for him, but it's kind of a stupid thing to say. It's perfectly primed to see where it's going to go. But you can see it. It, it, yeah. it is. It's, it's a fucking mess with a riddleless ship. There's, no, there's one overarching direction, which is Nash and Goldberg now. Yeah. which sucks as a direction just obviously forgetting the finish but the, just presenting Nash as being this wow this might be actually the guy who can do it because Nash is special too and I, yeah you've got to prom- you've got to promote your guy who's in your main event even if you put himself there but it's fucking you know it just devalues Goldberg so much and mm. this whole show it's it's interesting you've still got this Nitro it's so brightly lit it looks like a proper sporting event rather than WWE which is now it's pro wrestling that's what I th- watch mm. this this is wacky you've got wacky pro wrestling and you've got this pro wrestling that's done in this with you know more glossily produced and with these catalogue of more stars but it's stale it's predictable it's directionless nothing is emphasised and stands out as being important because the stuff they do present as important most of the time ends up being irrelevant yeah and the only things that are genuinely being pushed as truly important are things that can't get over like Hogan and Nash yeah or, and, and, and things and things like with the, the Hogan presidential yeah. run that have no wrestling payoff it doesn't even have a, yeah. a, a real world payoff no right. no absolutely and what was the fucking point it was just it was like it was subterfuge. It, it was a misdirection while it was it was Hogan panicking because his value had it was obviously for the first time Hulk Hogan his value was being exposed as not that crucial anymore and this was a, it was a last ditch desperation ploy to jump on some some all the press that wrestling was getting to try and make his name the one that people were talking about and it didn't mean a fucking square shit <laughs> M- meanwhile Bischoff is still Obsessed, maybe as, as part of a self-preservation act, to work the boys. I can't get over without, it. Without, 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 without realizing 
what the consequences are going to be considering considering how bad morale is currently even with this misdirection when you wind up at the point at the same sort of end game that they all expect you to end up at anyway think to you know, think about the shit it in the fan then or maybe he was still so caught up in his own hubris he thought he could just talk his way out of it again think of the two things that correlate in here Nash being put in this position because everyone's sick of Hogan, new direction, and Bischoff making the new contracts crunch time in the next couple of weeks before everyone clocks that Hogan's coming back. Good it's boy. the same yeah. thing. That's all this is. He knows that everybody wants out of WCW. It's to buy himself some time. Fuck. Okay, how can we get everyone? How can we convince everyone to stay if Hogan's there? Hogan, go away for a bit. We'll say that Nash is in charge. All these guys who like Nash and believe that he can be better, they'll get on board, they'll sign, and then when Hogan comes back, they're fucked anyway. They're locked in. But that's it. That's how I read it. I think, yeah. Bang on. It's, if history tells anything, that's the most logical thing, so yeah. given previous actions. And... Meanwhile, even though there's focus here from WCW for a horrible direction, the focus in the WWF, even though some of the nuts and bolts, we, we, yeah, we complain a little bit there about the, the, the wackier angles, Rock and Mankind go in their direction, Austin Taker go in their direction, you know where it's going in the end because we teased it in the beginning. This focus, this absolute focus, and it's focused towards a goal where you're creating stars here. And it's, it's, it's exciting to watch and it's exciting to follow and I'm, I'm still looking forward to seeing what's going to happen in December as we uh, tackle the next episode of this timeline. With that said, we are in fact out of time on this uh, episode of Squared Circle Gazette Radio, so thank you very much for listening. We hope you've enjoyed it. We will be doing another one of these timelines soon to talk about December of 1998, The Midnight War, as things barrel towards Starcade and uh, hit rock bottom, if you will. So uh, with that being said, I want to thank everybody for listening. And of course, don't forget, we will be back next week. And two weeks after that, we'll be doing the death of TNA. And we have to end on this music. <laughs> so for Kieran O'Rourke, Leaders. and for Cole Jones, I need to learn from Mark Henry. Can, can I be your D-Lo? <laughs> Get the hat. I, I am Liam O'Rourke and we are out of here. Talk to you next week. I love hats. And I'll tell you why I'm